This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night, taking you up until 2 a.m. Obviously, a big night out in Arizona. Super Bowl week officially getting underway. Media night. Um, and I'll give you my thoughts on media night uh, a little bit later. We'll get a check-in from uh, Elliot Shore Parks, obviously out covering media night and the birds for 94 WIP in Arizona. Elliot will check in with us around 11 o'clock to recap everything that went down. Uh, as Well, I guess it's called opening night officially in the NFL as Super Bowl week really gets underway here. But we'll obviously look forward. Uh, a lot to look at at this game as we head into Sunday, now just six days away. But I really feel like before we move forward, we do need to look back a little bit. And we need to bring closure to what is really the biggest storyline going into this game. Because let's face it, I mean, this this game has a lot of storylines. Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, two of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, the Kelseys going up against each other. Uh, A lot of interesting things to look at as you enter this game. Nick Sirianni, second-year head coach, uh, looking to win a Super Bowl very early on in his tenure here. Andy Reid looking to beat his former team. And that, to me, is really the biggest storyline, is the Eagles facing Andy Reid. And my question to you to start the show tonight is very simple. And it's one that we've been asking for a long time, but I think it's especially appropriate and especially important to talk about right now as we head into this game, which really I think brings closure to the Andy Reid Philadelphia era once and for all. But how do you feel about Andy Reid? It's really that simple. And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494, because we've talked about it for years. I mean, Andy's legacy in Philadelphia is one that is complicated, no doubt about it. And I know people feel a lot of different ways. You could ask two different people the exact same age, about how they feel about Andy Reid, what they think about Andy Reid, and you could get two completely different answers. Like, you could get one person, like me, who would tell you Andy Reid should be idolized in this town. Andy Reid should be looked at as somebody who saved this franchise because he did. Andy Reid is somebody who we should look at with reverence and respect, and you can ask other people the same exact question, and they detest Andy Reid. They despise Andy Reid. They look at him as the face of failure, that it doesn't matter how good the Eagles were during that time period. It doesn't matter how great this team was from 2000 to 2005. They didn't win the Super Bowl, and to some people, that's all that matters. And let's face it, we look at the Andy Reid tenure, a lot of really good teams, but they never got over the hump. And, you know, based on on. Who you are, you can get a completely different answer on how people feel. But that's my question to start the show tonight. 
How do you feel about Andy Reid? And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494, And when a guy spends so much time here, that obviously is going to complicate things. And, and, and a lot of emotions, I'm sure Andy is feeling heading into this game. Here was Andy after the AFC Championship last week uh, talking about how he feels about this city all these years after he left. And, you know, no doubt about it, Andy still holds a special place for Philadelphia. And this city should still hold a special place for Andy because this is a big deal, man. I mean, we talked about it. I've talked about it, you know, a a couple times here where the Eagles played the Patriots five years ago. It didn't seem like anything could get bigger than that. You know, playing against Tom Brady, playing against Bill Belichick. This situation, playing against Andy Reid. A guy who was the face of this franchise for over a decade, here for 14 years, did so much for this organization. This is a really big deal. And Andy Reid, as I see it, should be beloved in the city of Philadelphia. Like, I don't think it is really in the end that complicated. I think you'll get a lot of different answers from people. There is a segment of people who don't like Andy Reid and people who, you know, kind of look at him as a failure in Philadelphia. I find it hard to respect those people as football fans and as Eagles fans. I really do. And, uh, you know, I get that people are going to have different opinions. And I get that that everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But if you have that opinion about Andy Reid, if you are one of these people who doesn't like Andy Reid, doesn't appreciate what Andy Reid did here, you're just wrong. And if you want to get in 215-592-9494, Because I look at Andy, I look at a guy who I feel has done more for this city than any coach in the history of Philadelphia. I truly believe that. And I understand that he did not win a Super Bowl here. But he set the table for what this team accomplished. He set the table for what this organization has done the last two-plus decades. He should be beloved in this city. And I'm calling all people tonight to bury the hatchet. Like, I want to know if you are ready to bury the hatchet with Andy Reid. If you were an Andy Reid hater, have you come around to see the light? Have you come around to see the fact that this guy did a lot of great things here? Because I truly believe that he helped teach Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman how to win. The things that the Eagles did post the Andy Reid era, I don't think happens without Andy's influence. Because prior to what you want to believe, and I know older fans will idolize the Buddy Ryan era and romanticize that era of football. But the bottom line is, when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles as a franchise, and you look at how this franchise was viewed nationally, prior to 2000, whether people want to admit it or not, the Eagles are irrelevant. I mean, they weren't an organization that mattered in the grand scheme of things in the NFL. They were the fourth best team in this division. They were behind the Cowboys. They were behind the Giants. They were behind Washington. For all those years, this was not an organization nationally that mattered. If they were put on a primetime game, it was to get their ass kicked by one of those teams. It wasn't to feature the Eagles. The Eagles were the punching bag for everybody in this division. They were the Cowboys' ankle biters in the 80s. They were the Cowboys' ankle biters in the 90s. That all changed when Andy Reid got here. And, you know, you hear these comments that Jerry Jones made uh, this past week. And here was Jerry Jones on the Eagles and how he feels the Eagles got to this point this year by uh, essentially selling out for one season. In essence, we're seeing a couple of teams that have had some real success putting it all out there. 
and uh, paying it, paying for it later right. in Philadelphia and San and uh, really uh, Los Angeles. Uh, don't think that doesn't pop my head and get my eye as far as doing it, and I know how to do that. And uh, so uh, uh, it's uh, it's again it's a part of. Uh, uh, what you uh, put in that computer and uh, what comes out, and we'll see, we'll see how uh, it comes. But uh, that's pretty impressive to have two teams in the last two years empty the bucket and get to the Super Bowl. And he's comparing the Eagles to the Rams, and it's a stupid comment to make. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's not true. The Eagles certainly have not sold out for this season. The Eagles, I think, you can make a strong argument. I would make the argument are one of the organizations in the NFL. Best set up to succeed long term when you look at their salary cap, you look at the draft picks. But that's Jerry Jones being jealous. That's Jerry Jones wanting to take away from what the Eagles have accomplished because the tables have turned. Like how the Eagles used to be the Cowboys' ankle biters, they used to be the little brothers. The Cowboys are the Eagles' little brothers now. And you know when that all changed? That all changed when Andy Reid got here. And the fact that Andy Reid came in and really changed the, the trajectory of this organization. He changed the way this organ, the, the, the places this organization was headed. Because whether people want to admit it or not, and there were some, I guess, fun seasons mixed in there. I wasn't alive for a ton of them. I was born in 87, so my memory really goes back to the mid-90s. But how many times was this team playing in championship games prior to Andy Reid? How many times was this team you know, nationally relevant? How many times was this team a Super Bowl contender prior to Andy Reid being here? Few and far between? And people will make excuses, all oh, the fog in the 80s, they would have won if, if not for that. And, you know, uh, Buddy had some bad breaks here and there. And, and, you know, you'll make all sorts of excuses. The fact is this was a middling franchise. This was a franchise that didn't matter. Andy Reid got here and he changed all of that. He made this a franchise to be respected. He made this a franchise that mattered nationally. He made this a franchise that you had to care about and you had to pay attention to in the NFL. And obviously, we go to Sunday, I want to kick Andy's ass on Sunday. No doubt about it. And all Eagles fans will, but I hope people respect him. Because I, it's the one thing about this game on Sunday that is conflicting to me emotionally. Because I don't want that segment of fans. I don't want the segment of fans that still disrespects him. The segment of fans that still despises him. I don't like the fact that they're going to get some sort of, as they would view it, validation by beating Andy Reid on Sunday. This is a guy who deserves to be appreciated. This is a guy who deserves to be respected as somebody who changed this organization. And I don't care what you say. I don't care if you... You can, and you can tell me a billion times, Andy Reid didn't win a Super Bowl here, so therefore I view him as a loser. You're just wrong. The Eagles aren't where they are today without Andy Reid. They aren't a successful organization without Andy Reid. Jeffrey Lurie is not as good an owner without the experience he had with Andy Reid. The Eagles don't have Howie Roseman, if not for Andy Reid. I want to know how you feel about Andy as we go into this game, because it's a huge, it's a huge moment as the Eagles go on and take on their former coach on Sunday. And, you know, I wish the best for Andy. Uh, it's, you know, obviously not on Sunday. But as far as, as history goes and legacy goes, Andy Reid's one of the best coaches of all time. Andy Reid's an Eagles legend. And I want to know if you view him that way. Or are you, one of the, are you one of the disrespectful ones? Are you one of the unappreciative ones 
that doesn't recognize what Andy Reid has done for this city. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. And we'll obviously talk about the Super Bowl, everything going on with this game this week. But I want to know how you feel about Andy Reid. And before we go to the phones here, I'll, I'll ask my producer, Nick Earnshaw, producing the show tonight. Nick, you're a younger guy. What, you're in your mid-20s, I would say? Early 20s. Early 20s, okay. Yeah. 22. Right. Oh, wow. Only 22. <laughs> so you got 13. You're, uh, I'm 13 years your senior, which is pretty depressing. But as a young guy, and you probably don't even remember the, the great Andy Reid years, but as a historian, as a sports historian, as I know you are, how do you feel about Andy in the city? Um, you know, I, I've kind of buried the hatchet with him. Like, I, I don't have a problem with Andy Reid. Like, he did some really good things here. He went to the NFC Championship multiple, multiple times. He, he got to a Super Bowl. Didn't win it, obviously. But, you know, he was a great coach. And he's turned out to be a great coach in Kansas City. So, I, I'm okay with Andy Reid. I like Andy Reid. I'm not going to go over the moon for Andy Reid uh, in, in um, you know, praising him. But I... He didn't get it done. That's just my problem. He didn't win the big game. And I think, you know, for as long as he was here, that that's something that I think he should have gotten done with the amount of times they got they had the opportunity to go uh, to the championship. I you know, I that'll always stick with me. I think he was a great coach, did a lot of great things, but for not for him not to get it done here, I, I think it's a massive disappointment and, and it's why I, I will consider his tenure here uh, a failure. Wow. I mean, that is, I, I got to say, Nick, that's terribly disappointing. I mean, I respect you. I think you're a good guy. But you're dead wrong here. I mean, this is the, the Andy Reid tenure in Philadelphia was not a failure. The Andy Reid tenure in Philadelphia, did it result in a Super Bowl? No. But it set the table. It that was set the ultimate the goal, though. For what the Eagles became. Like, there is, this is my point. There is no Doug Peterson without Andy Reid. There is no Howie Rosen without Andy Reid. Like, the ripple effects that you can feel throughout this organization, the way they build, the way they think about football, the way they build their roster, it's all what Andy taught them. Like, Andy taught Jeff and Howie all this stuff, and and that's why – and it's a collaborative effort. I think Andy learned a lot from those guys as well. I think that's a big part of why he's had the success he's had out in Kansas City. But I don't look at the Andy Reid tenure as as a failure in Philadelphia. I do because, I mean, you have to win the championship for me. Like, for me, you have to get it done. And he didn't do that. Like, the amount of times and the amount of talented teams that, that Andy Reid was able to coach, I, you should have gotten it done. I mean, you had Donovan McNabb for so long. You had Terrell Owens in 4 Like, that 4 team should have won uh, a championship. And for me, I, yes, he did some great things here, but... I mean, towards the end, I mean, it was not pretty. And I, that's why you, you kind of moved on from him and went to Chip Kelly. So I think while you did learn some great things from the Andy Reid years, he did some great, uh, you know, a great job coaching. I, I'm just not sold on him being, uh, you know, praising him because he, he didn't get it done. He didn't win the big game. And when you don't win the championship, in my eyes, it, it's a failure and it did not work out in, in the end. Fair enough. And if you want to get in 215-592-9494, I'll throw that question out because I think that that's a better way to define it here in terms of Andy. Was the Andy Reid tenure a success in Philadelphia? Because I think it was. I think it was an overwhelming success. And I understand this team didn't win a Super Bowl. But what it did to the organization, what it changed about the organization, I don't think would have ever happened. Like with Andy, Without Andy Reid coming to Philadelphia, I don't think this organization has a Super Bowl. I don't know where the Eagles are right now. They're probably the same middling franchise that they had been for the 40 years prior to him being here. 
I think Andy Reid changed things forever in Philadelphia, changed things forever with the Philadelphia Eagles. The organization you see today, the perennial powerhouse that you see today, the team that you could count on contending year in, year out, was never the case before Andy Reid. I think his tenure was a success, and I'd love to get your take on it. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Let's get it started on the phones with Joe in Merchantville. What's up, Joe? Yo, Joe. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't hear you there. I, I, I agree completely with you about, about Reed. I've never under, I have never understood why, why people hate him. I, using that logic that, that, oh, he didn't win the big one here, so we hate him, then does that mean the only coach we should ever like is Doug Peterson? Yeah, Joe, and that, that that's the way I look at it as well. Like, And what I don't understand, I don't understand specifically what it is seemingly about Andy because people love Buddy Ryan. Like, people love Dick Vermeil. They idolize those coaches. But what, because Andy wasn't forthcoming in press conferences or Andy didn't run the ball enough, people don't like him? It just bothers me because what he did here – I mean, change this organization for the better forever, and I can't – it drives me insane that people don't appreciate it. I, and I like Vermeil, and I love the Buddy Ryan era, but uh, there's no question that Andy Reid was, was the best coach this franchise has ever had, just like Donovan McNabb has been the, it was the best quarterback this franchise has ever had. Now, that could change, but right now, today, it would, they'd be the best. Yeah. No, Joe, I appreciate it. Sorry, you're cutting out a little bit there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. Like, and I mean, Donovan is criminally underrated as well. Now, the unfortunate thing for Donovan, I don't think he'll ever be appreciated properly, especially after Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And, I mean, if Jalen Hurts wins the Super Bowl on Sunday, there's no way Donovan's ever going to get his due. But Andy deserves to be looked at with reverence in this city. Andy deserves to be looked at as a hero in this city. And it's unfortunate they never won it all. It, it sucks. I mean, I love those teams. Those were the teams I grew up watching. The Eagles made the NFC Championship game all four years I was in high school, 01 through 04. I loved those teams so much. But four years of straight disappointment in the end. Four years they lost in the end, but I, I don't regret those years as a football fan. Like, I appreciate those years as a football fan, Nick. And more than anything, I appreciate what those years led to. I appreciate what the Andy era led to. And I'm not trying to age shame here, but I do think, you know, maybe you not being around during that time does color it a little bit. You remember probably, you remember the late years of Andy. I do. You don't remember those great years of Andy. And also, you don't remember what it was like before Andy. The 90s, the late 90s in Philadelphia. Brutal. Were terrible. I mean, it was terrible, not just with the Eagles either. I mean, aside from one really good year with the Sixers, and the Flyers were competitive year in, year out. The Eagles and the Phillies were essentially non-entities. Like, the, what the Eagles are now, they never were before. They never were before Andy got here. This was an organization that, na- like, we cared about the Eagles in Philadelphia. Nationally, the Eagles didn't matter. The Eagles didn't matter at all nationally before Andy got See, here. See, my thing is, I, I think Jeffrey Lurie buying the team, I, I think that kind of set this team into a prosperous way. Like, I think I'm going to put more of it on Jeffrey Lurie buying the team and taking over as the owner. Like, that. that's where I kind of want to set the bar. Andy Reid did, listen, he was a great coach. I don't want to sound like an Andy Reid complete hater. You're sounding like a hater. A complete You're sounding hater. disrespectful. He did a lot of great things, but you have to get it done. The amount of times they went to the championship game and couldn't 
get it done. The time management stuff over the years with Andy Reid. I mean, there, there's a multitude of things. Listen, he's he's still a great coach. I, I will say he's a great coach. He had a great tenure here. But he ultimately did not get it done in the big game. And when, when you don't get it done with the amount of times they were able to get that far with those teams and that talent— I just I can't call it complete success. I just can't do it. Now, were, were, were there some good things out of it? Yes. I think he set this franchise up pretty well going forward. But he didn't get it done, and that's that's the ultimate goal. Well, I disagree. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. How do you feel about Andy Reid? And do you feel that his tenure was a success? I do, considering what it led to, considering what it taught this organization. It taught the organiz- He taught the organization how to win. This was an organization that had no clue how to win before Andy got here. He taught them how to win. The Eagles obviously helped him in return, and both have gone on to have a very success, very successful tenures following that. Both have won a Super Bowl, and they'll meet on Sunday. But I want to know how you feel about Andy Reid. Do you respect Andy Reid? Do you appreciate Andy Reid? And was his tenure a success? I think it was, even though this team didn't win a Super Bowl. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, I did want to let you hear uh, a a little bit from my interview with Ray Dinger uh, on Friday night. Ray and I talked about Andy. I'll give you Ray's take on why he thinks uh, you can still feel the ripple effects of Andy in this organization today. So we'll get to that. Also, all your calls. See everybody on hold. We will get to the phones when we return as well. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night, taking you up until 2 a.m. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. And, you know, starting the show tonight, we haven't really talked about it, at least on my shows, uh, a lot last week yet as we lead up to the Super Bowl. But, I, I mean, I don't think we can really look ahead to this game until we, until we really put a bow on the Andy Reid hurry. I mean, this is a huge deal, the Eagles playing Andy. And he is, in my mind, one of the most, I would say one of the most polarizing and one of the most, one of the most important figures in the history of Philadelphia sports. Like, he changed where the Eagles were headed. He changed what this organization was. And Andy Reid is one of the most consequential figures in the history of this organization and the history of this city. And I think he should be looked at as a hero here. With what he did, and I understand they didn't win the Super Bowl, I understand they didn't get over the hump, but what he did to change the way this organization ran, what he did to change the idea of what the Philadelphia Eagles were, is something that 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 can never be taken away. And I think even without winning the Super Bowl, the Andy Reid tenure was a success, considering what has followed, considering what it taught Jeffrey Lurie about winning, what it taught Howie Roseman about winning, what they knew they needed to look for in building a roster, what it taught them about looking for in a head coach. I mean, look how great this team has been hiring head coaches. I know Chip went off the rails a little bit after two years, but still, in the short term, Chip was a good hire. That doesn't happen. None of it happens without them hiring Andy first and without them learning the lessons they learned with Andy. And I think Andy should be looked at as a hero in this city, even though this team didn't win the Super Bowl, I think his tenure was a success, and I'd love to get your take on it. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. In a few minutes here, I did want to get to some sound from Ray Dinger on how this organization is still feeling the ripple effects of Andy and what he did here. Uh, but first, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Rick and Easton. What's up, Rick? How about this for a twist? Andy Reid's going to be the reason why the Eagles are going to win their second Super Bowl. 
Well, in what fashion, Rick? Uh, Because he gave, you alluded to it, he gave Howie Roseman the model. You've got to build monsters on the offensive line, a defensive pass rush, and you have to have a a secondary to counterbalance the rule changes the NFL puts on the defenses every year by Americans want to see more scoring they make it easier and easier for the offenses to pass the ball. And that is exactly what Andy Reid did. Andy Reid is going to be the modern-day Bill Parcells and John Madden of the NFL. He is going to be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. you got to understand something. Yes, he was responsible for Peterson. He was also responsible for the for – the, we all laughed at Jeff Lurie's gold standard speech, didn't we? I want to tell you something. When you gain a lot of weight, you can only lose weight by taking a long time to lose it. This franchise is almost 100 years old and only had successful seasons, 47, 48, 1960, and 1980. Andy Reid went to four NFC championship games. Andy Reid is the main reason why Philadelphia Eagles are so successful now. You are 100% correct. No doubt about it, Rick. And it bothers me, like, when people will just simplify it. Oh, he didn't win a Super Bowl. Like, what did he really give us? He didn't win a Super Bowl. You can't look at it that way. I mean, he did so much more. And like you said, Rick, just in terms of, of the model and in terms of innovation, like, that's one thing Andy taught the Eagles is you always need to be on the forefront of, of offensive trends. Like you said, they want scoring. They want and offense. I, Throwing the football, may, like running the ball. I know people wanted Andy to run the ball. Will, but that's not the way anybody wins in the NFL anymore. And if I may, I would like to talk real quickly. I know you have a caller who's waiting on a minute to name to you, John Madden. If this team, this Eagles team, reminds me of the three years that the Oakland Raiders were successful and won the Super Bowl. If you think about it, they had players like Otto. They had players like Upshaw. They had monster offensive lines, monster defensive lines. But what did Blanda, what did LaMonica, what did Kenny Stabler always do five and six times during the game? They took a shot down the field. And that is what the Eagles are made of because realize this. The Eagles roster, which is arguably the best roster this franchise has ever had, is loaded with 20% of this roster is players from the SEC. They are battle-tested, and they will, if they take shots down the field like the Raiders did, I think the Eagles win this game, believe it or not, fairly easy because they're much better on the offensive and defensive lines, and no matter how when you look at football, whether it's 1900, 1950s, 2020s, you have to win the game in the trenches, and that's what this team can do. No doubt about it, Rick, and I appreciate the call, and it's true. I mean, that's what the, Andy's all of Andy's philosophies. I mean, when you look at how the Eagles build their roster now, it's what Andy prioritized. We're going to dominate the offensive and defensive line. And, yeah, I mean, like like for years, people yell, why do the Eagles not have any linebackers? I mean, it's not something that, that Andy prioritized, and it shouldn't be a huge priority. Like, you look at what's really important. What's really important, you build the lines, 
You have good quarterback play. You have good corners on the outside. You have a good secondary, which the Eagles have prioritized as well. I mean, you look at, at this team specifically, it, it's so much Vandy. And I talked to Ray Dinger the other night. Ray was kind enough to come on with me Friday night. And here was Ray when I asked him about Andy and, and the, the effect that you can still feel on this organization today from Andy Reid's time in Philadelphia. It is. And you just hear it right there. Like, all of those things. Like, prioritizing the lines. Building a good staff. I mean, look how much that was taught to the Eagles in terms of that early 2000s staff with Steve Spagnuolo and Leslie Frazier and Ron Rivera and all these all these great coaches. John Harbaugh. I mean, that's something that is certainly filtered down. I mean, let's face it. That's probably why Doug Peterson got fired. Because Doug Peterson kind of let his staff fall apart. The Eagles knew they needed a coach who was going to come in and build a good staff. They trusted Nick Sirianni to do that. Nick Sirianni's done it. And look at where this organization has gotten back to. Like, the 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 things that Andy taught them are immeasurable, and you can still feel his ripple effects to this day. And and we have some sound from Andy right now, right, Nick? This is Andy um, at uh, Super Bowl opening night, correct? That is correct. Uh, listen, uh, I've got a lot of close friends with the Eagles. Uh, some of the players are guys that I had a chance to be in the draft with um, and bring them in and coach them. And I'm proud of those guys for what they've done and proud of Howie Roseman for retooling the organization. Nick's done a nice job coaching them and, and Jeff Lurie is a phenomenal owner. So, um, you know, I, I've still got fond memories. And yeah, I mean, and, and that that and Andy's always been classy ever since he's left here. Like he has good feelings toward this or this city and this organization. We should, too. Like, we should look at Andy with reverence. We should look at Andy as a savior because that's what he was. That's what he was for this organization. I know he didn't win the Super Bowl, but he saved them from mediocrity. And Andy Reid is a guy who, who who everybody should respect in this city, regardless of whether they won the Super Bowl or not. 215-592-9494. Uh, let's go to Rob in Bloomsburg. What's up, Rob? Hey, how are you, Tom? Good. How's it going, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. So I, I wanted to like uh, share with you a little bit of what you guys were talking about. Um, what what Andy Reid has done to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles is he's contributed to the culture. And and you brought up uh, Buddy Ryan. I think Buddy Ryan contributed to the culture about a tough defense. You know this toughness about the Eagles. And then Andy Reid did that with building a line. You know offensive line, defensive line, making that tough. And that still continues to exist today. I mean, he ended up leaving the, leaving here because he was, you know, people didn't like his play calling, and, you know, that happened. But the one thing we have to remember about him, he instilled a culture in this organization that does persist today. Look at our line today, Tom. Our offensive line, our defensive line, that, that's where we build our team. And he started that. He did. Right? Yeah, yeah, Rob. And no, Rob, you're right. And, and regardless of who the coach has been, you know, even when it was, even when it was Chip, you know, on the Doug and on Nick Sirianni, the things that the Eagles prioritize are the exact same things that they prioritized under Andy. Like that part of it has never changed. And I think he taught this organization a lot in terms of how to win. And like you said, the culture part of it. Like I think, and Ray said it in the cut there. He taught them how to practice. You know, he taught them what a real coach in this league should look like how you run a locker room how you run an organization and without Andy I, maybe the Eagles never figure that out who knows I agree 100 yeah. percent 
yeah, appreciate so. yeah, appreciate it, Robin. Thanks. I, I I think you know the idea that they would have figured this out regardless. I don't think that's necessarily true. Like you got to get that first hire right, and the reason it ended, like yeah, we remember the end of it. The the end of it was terrible. I mean, the last two years were bad. That's what happens after a long time. Like after 2010 was probably the time to move on. The coaching staff really fell off, and you know things kind of fell apart. But those early years, that decade from 2000 to 2010, even without a Super Bowl win, you can make the argument that's the most successful decade any team in this city has ever had. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Al in Lumberton. What's up, Al? Yeah, I mean, you know, I beg to defer because I, you know, I take a look at his tenure and, yeah, he did a lot of great things. But, you know, he also, you know, we had Jim Johnson. And the other thing is they really kind of, you know, look at those playoff games we lost, those championship games. We lost to Jake DeLone from the Carolina. We lost to Brad Johnson from Tampa. Those were two uh, two games that we should have definitely, definitely had uh, made it to the Super Bowl. So, in that way, I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah, no, Al, and we were all disappointed at the end of those seasons. But, I mean, you can't look back now after all these years, and especially after the Eagles have, have won one, and say that was pretty damn impressive what they did. Like, I don't know. I know the end of the year, the, the championship game losses were difficult. But, I mean, I don't know. I thought that was a pretty damn good time to be an Eagles fan overall. You know, kind of embarrassing. And plus, embarrassing, in- embarrassing, Al. Like, this yeah. isn't like they were the Bengals or the Lions or one of the worst teams in the league. They were going to championship games every year. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I think he really, really uh, – he did a lot of great things, and I respect him for that. I mean, but to, to put him up, um, you know, Dick Vermeil was a great coach, but he wasn't here that long. Or if he would have been here that long, you know, look how long it took him to get into the uh, the Hall of Fame. But but this is this is my question for you, Al, and this is kind of what I don't understand. Why do you look at Dick Vermeil as if you know he had such a successful tenure and not Andy when when? You know, they basically accomplished the same thing overall, and Andy went to a, had a lot more successful seasons than Dick Vermeil did. Well, I think because when Dick Vermeil took over, I mean, the team was really in the, in the doldrums. I mean, when Andy took over, you know, they weren't, you know. They were 3 and 13 in, in 98, Al. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, all I can say is that I, I think he's done a great job. But in a way, I, us not accomplishing those championships kind of take a little bit away. But he did set the foundation, and uh, he'll never be forgotten, and he shouldn't be forgotten. Well, I, and he is a, and the, he is a uh, first-round Hall of Fame coach. I mean, I really think he'll, he'll do that. I mean, he's, you know, his clock management. I, you know, I hope for this game, he probably he has the same problems. But that's the other thing. I mean, from a negative standpoint, yeah, he really never, never really knew how to manage a clock too good. I, I hear you, Al, and I appreciate the call. And I get, you know, we'll harp on the clock management. We'll hop on, harp on not running the ball enough, which I think was just massively overblown here. But the guy did a lot of great things, like and. I just I can't agree with the with, with the simple mindset because that's what it is of oh well they didn't win at all it's a total failure like it's failure you didn't win at all did some good things but they didn't win at all that's that's that that's underselling 
what he did here. That's underselling what that era meant to Eagles football and the effect it's still having today. I mean, this organization, I will say it definitively, they are not where they are without Andy Reid. They never win a Super Bowl without Andy Reid. I truly, truly believe that. And, you know, he should be respected. He should be held in extremely high regard, um, you know, considering what this organization has done and considering, you know, what Andy taught them and and the fact that he taught them how to win. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Get back to the phones when we return. I also did need to... Uh, play play a couple clips from Media Night and my my gripe with Media Night. I mean, I think part of it is fun, um, but there are a few things that are that are bothering me. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Obviously, uh, well, talking tonight about Andy Reid, his tenure in Philadelphia, and why I think even without a Super Bowl victory, his tenure is a success. With what it led to, what it taught Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman about how to win, how to build an organization, uh, I think it was a success. And I want to know how you feel about Andy Reid. I mean, this is kind of the close to his tenure officially, uh, his ties to Philadelphia on Sunday, uh, obviously a big moment. I wish him nothing but the best in the future, obviously not on Sunday, but I look at Andy Reid as a hero to this city. And, and um, you know, I have trouble respecting fans that don't. I have trouble respecting fans that view his tenure as a failure and, and people that dislike him. I just don't really understand it. So if you want to get in, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. In the next segment, we will check in with Elliot Shoreparks, our Eagles reporter who's out in Arizona right now was at Super Bowl opening night on Monday night. And I did want to, you know, play a couple pieces of sound for you from opening night because I think, you know, it's a pretty it's it's a cool event. Players get to go out there, they get to have some fun. But I don't know. Like maybe I'm 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 no fun here. But I think we need to be a little more professional at, at media night. Like I I don't love some of these questions that were asked. I mean some of the questions that are being asked these guys on Monday night, it's like, how do these people get get media credentials, uh, Nick? How how does it happen? See, I, I I enjoy media night. I wish they would go back to media day. Like it's a lot of fun. Like it, it's not supposed to be as serious. I, I feel like as a normal press conference, it's supposed to be like, hey, they're on the biggest stage in the world. They're gonna have like TV. Like like people who don't even watch football there. Like. I think that's what it's the, the essence of what media night is. Like it's just it's, it's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to ask some fun, lighthearted questions as well as some hard hitting questions. We don't need these jokers out there, okay? We don't need these guys who aren't real media there, members. There was some that were dumb questions. There were though. some dumb questions. I mean, how do you feel about the kids out there? I don't I don't love it. I don't love it. You know, I, I think let's 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 keep it to the adult media members. I don't need a kid, you know, asking it cool. asking a dumb question. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm no fun. You're like that Jordan meme where it says, you know, bleep them kids. That's that's basically you right now. Yeah, maybe maybe I maybe I don't like children. I mean, I have a couple of them, so, uh, you know, I, I don't dislike them. But Play I'll, this back to them when they get a little old, older. Button it up a little bit. I mean, let's have some professionalism here. And some of the questions being asked are just ridiculous. I mean, here was one of them asked to Nick Sirianni about whether Sunday is a must-win game. Must-win game. Yeah. I mean, if you're Nick Sirianni and you're sitting there and somebody asks you if Sunday's a one must-win game, and you just got to want to get up and leave, right? Yeah, like, like that that's the type of question, like, 
Yeah, why, why are you even there asking something like that? Guy should immediately be kicked off the field. And then a question, I don't even know if you can call this question, ask the word Jalen Hurts, a, a guy talking about, you know, the fact that he doubted him coming into the league. Okay, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get that in a second for you here. But, um, yeah, in terms of in terms of media night, I just think, you know, it's 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 got to be a little more professional. Here's that question. And this is the problem. You get these guys out there, you get these jokers who are just trying to make and, you know, get get their viral moments. So they ask an intentionally dumb question. It's a waste of everybody's time. See, I, I like when the kids do it. The I, kids is cool. We, the, having the little kids do it, that's cool. Like, Jalen Hurts had fun with little kid tonight. Like, that that question right there where, like, the reporter's saying, hey, I, I doubted you, like, basically the, the entire your entire career. Like that's just stupid. I don't know. I I want I want a traditional press conference. Maybe I'm a I'm I'm too um you know buttoned up here, but I don't know. I lighten it up without, a little bit without all the nonsense of media night. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Uh, let's get Greg and Wimwood in here. What's up, Greg? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. What's going on, man? TK. Listen, I I want to make sure that I say first off that I love your show. I uh, respect your opinions. Ninety-nine percent of the time, but tonight you're you're. I, I have to absolutely disagree with you. Um, you know, right or wrong, what is one of the biggest things people are saying about the Eagles right now? That that is that that Howie Roseman has built this team, and he has given it to a coach who has done the most with that team that he can do. How many teams did Joe Banner give to Andy Reid? Greg, that's not the way it and works. I mean, that's that what, is what, the way so, it works. What, so you Andy think... Reid could not take those great teams to the end. I mean, so Andy you think Reed any coach, you think Doug any... Peterson did it, Greg, you think any coach, I mean, first of all, I mean, the teams that Andy had were, were not nearly the same teams that Doug Peterson had. I mean, how many carryover players were there there? Not, not many. We didn't talk about from T.O. and Donovan McNabb. And, so you think any coach, Greg? Could have just gotten gotten the most out of those teams. Any coach could have won a Super Bowl with those teams. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying coaches have done it. Doug Peterson did it, and it looks like uh, Sirianni's going to do it. And that is, you know, we give a lot of credit to Howie Roseman, who was groomed under Joe Banner, and Joe Banner, his timeline coincides exactly with Andy Reid. Right, and but so Greg, I'm not saying Andy did bad things. But he was given the best of the best, and he couldn't do it. First of all, I mean, I wouldn't say that's necessarily true. I wouldn't say every year the Eagles were the most talented team in the league. I mean, I didn't say every year. There were there were times, and then when it dropped off, when when Joe Banner was on his way out, that's when Andy dropped off, and then now Andy's in Kansas City. I don't. I have no idea who the GM is there, but he's given him a team. So Andy so, had nothing to do with the with the drafting of Patrick Mahomes. Had nothing to do with the drafting of Donovan McNabb. Like you, you don't think that that matters? His eye for quarterback talent. I I don't know how much he had to do with that. I'm I'm not saying he didn't. I'm saying I personally don't know. I don't know if he did or he didn't. But what I'm saying is he got those teams, and you know we all know that you know it takes players to make the team. It takes players to win championships. And I'm not saying Andy's a bad coach i'm not saying he's an average coach he's an above average coach but he benefited greatly 
from the teams that were built by the GMs around him. I, I hear you, Greg, and I appreciate the call. Andy Reid was a great coach. I mean, come on. Can we at least agree on that? That the guy's a great coach with what he's done in Kansas City, with what he did in Philadelphia? And to think that he didn't have any say over the roster, to think he didn't have any say over the players who to put on the field, who to draft, is just ridiculous. He had a huge say in drafting Donovan McNabb. I guarantee you in Kansas City, he had the majority of the say in drafting Patrick Mahomes. And we look back on it now and think it's a no-brainer. Patrick Mahomes was not, in any sense of the of the you know imagination, a consensus top pick at that point. I mean, Mitch Trubisky went in front of him in the draft. Andy Reid's a great coach, and the way that people continue to try to invalidate him or take away from his accomplishments, it just drives me nuts. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we'll check in with Elliot Shore Parks. Elliot out in Arizona covering media night. He'll give us a full recap when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night. And out in Arizona, they're just wrapping up media night, opening night, uh, at Super Bowl week in Arizona. Eagles and Chiefs uh, both deal with all the craziest th- craziness down at media night. Now, uh, to come in and recap it all for us, Eagles reporter from 94WIP.com, co-host of the Go Birds pod. You know him, Elliot Shore Parks. You can find him on Twitter, at Elliot Shore Parks. Uh, Elliot, thanks for hopping on for a few minutes, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, excited to talk about certainly another uh, crazy opening night uh, for the Eagles. Yeah, so Elliot, I mean, cr- first of all, that that's kind of where I wanted to start. I mean, opening night, you see it on TV. It seems really crazy. It seems like kind of a circus. What were your observations? And it is is it as like weird and wild as it seems on television? Yeah, I mean, it really is. First of all, it's press conferences held in front of a stadium, right? So there's Tons of fans, uh, lots of Chiefs fans, lots of Eagles fans. Seemed like maybe a little more Chiefs fans than Eagles fans, to be honest. But there was certainly a lot of, you know, Eagles chants and Go Birds chants. And, I mean, on the floor where it takes place, you know, they put a bunch of players uh, at podiums. And then outside of that, the other players just kind of walking around. And, you know, that results in things like Andre Dillard today was blindfolded, trying to throw, you know, little footballs into a hoop. Uh, there was one reporter had like a kind of little like a pony that he, they were trying to get players to ride. So just kind of what it is. There's not a lot of like real football talk. There can occasionally be some of those questions, but it's mostly just a chance for players to show their personality, have some fun. And, you know, it can be hard to hear them at times because there's so many, me- there's so many media members. It's hard to get close, but I thought for the most part, they, uh, they did a really good job tonight in, in doing that. Yeah, and Elliot, I mean, obviously you're looking for the guys who are going to come off as stars, and and Jalen Hurts obviously on the big stage for the first time in his career. Did Jalen Hurts seem to come off as a star tonight? I mean, were people gravitating to him like he was really, you know, the the star attraction? Yeah, it's a great question because, I mean, Jalen's obviously played in some big places. Alabama, Oklahoma, he's played in some big games, but this is probably, you know, from just a not playing football perspective, like just having to be himself. This is probably the biggest stage he's ever been on. And from the moment he stepped out, they, they had the players kind of come up, up onto a stage from, from underneath. So they, they came up in the middle of it. The place went wild as soon as they saw him. Uh, when he was on the Jumbotron, they went wild. When they showed him when he was talking, it, it, they went wild. The fans did. And when he was talking, I thought he did good. I mean, he's never going to be a rah-rah, like, you know, telling all types of crazy personal stories at the podium. That's just not who he is. But – 
to me, it seemed like he tried to make an effort to, to show a little personality. He talked about how he wasn't a football player. He might be, you know, a professional chef because he makes really good crawfish. Um, you know, he talked about the importance of making sure that when he's out there at Super Bowl Sunday, he's a good role model for all the kids. So, again, he, he's not going to be, you know, Darius Slay or Jordan Mailata when it comes to those stories. But I did think in my time covering Jalen tonight, it seemed like he tried to, to show a little bit more. And now I I think when I look at some of the other guys, like this feels to me like a situation that Nick Sirianni would, would kind of thrive in. How do you think Sirianni handled yeah. tonight? And how do you think he's he's kind of handled everything so far uh, going into Super Bowl week? Yeah, so, you know, I wasn't at – so they talked for an hour. So Sirianni was up there for a full hour. I wasn't by him the entire time. But uh, I thought he did a really good job. You know, Sirianni is, is great at press conferences, I think, because – he can be very honest, and he, and he is, you know, uh, he's not afraid to be himself, and that results in some stories that, you know, sometimes might rub people the wrong way, but, but he truly believes in. And the times that I was around him tonight, I thought he did a really good job of showing his personality, but I also think, you know, he really came across as authoritative and, and like a head coach. I mean, he's not Andy Reid with his four or five-word answers, but I really thought he, uh, he, he, he handled himself well. There was a moment tonight where – he was up on stage next to Andy Reid uh, with the Lombardi Trophy getting asked questions. I thought he did good there. I mean, you know, for people who have heard him talk all year, it was a lot of stuff we've, you know, we've all heard, talk about climbing a mountain, you know, how the roster's so good and all that stuff. But, yeah, I thought, again, much like Jalen, this was a huge stage for Nick, and I thought he did really well. Elliot Shoreparks joining us now, Eagles reporter 94 at WIP.com, also uh, co-host of the Go Birds pod. And you mentioned Andy there, uh, Elliot. And I'm curious in, in terms of some of the things that Andy had to say. And obviously, you know, a ton of guys talking, not there the entire time. But um, did Andy, you know, say anything about Philadelphia? And, and how do you think this he's handling this week, you know, obviously going into it with his, his old team and his old organization? Uh, do you think there is extra motivation for Andy going into this game? Um, so he was asked about it once that I heard, and, you know, he said kind of what you would expect, which is he always appreciates his time in Philadelphia. It's nothing but love for the fans, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, in terms of whether or not it's extra motivation for him, you know, I'm not around him enough to, to really say, but I will say the times I've heard him talk about it, uh, I don't know if it's extra motivation at this point of his career. I mean, you know, he hasn't been here for so long. Uh, you could even debate if now he's more of a chief than an eagle. So I think really his motivation is, he gets another Super Bowl, and he enters another class of, uh, of coaching in terms of the guys he's compared to. So I, I didn't get a sense tonight that there was any you know, ill will or a real kind of motivation. If anything, maybe Sirianni has a little chip on his shoulder from when Andy fired him. But, yeah, I, I didn't feel that from Andy. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And, and, Elliot, this is part of what we're talking about on the show tonight. Andy's legacy in Philadelphia is a very complicated one. Obviously, a lot of good years, but didn't win at all. How do you view him, and how do you think he should be viewed in this city? Yeah, you know, you say it's complicated, and, and it is to an extent. But, but to me, it's pretty simple. I think he's the best coach that's ever been here. I know, I know Doug won the Super Bowl. Uh, and look, Nick Sirianni has a chance to maybe surpass Andy. I mean, I think Nick, Nick's a great coach. He could win a Super Bowl this year. But if you look at what Andy did in those early 2000s, I mean, that was arguably the golden era of Eagles football, going to the championship games year after year, always being like, you know, the one seed, dominating the division. And I know they didn't win the Super Bowl. They're, you know, obviously that, that's not breaking news. But it was it was an amazing time. And I think that what Andy did 
really also kind of set the foundation for this franchise. I mean, let's talk about this team, the, the 2022 team. They're amazing in the trenches. Why are they amazing in the trenches? Because how he values it. Why does how he value it? Because he worked with Andy Reid. So I understand to some people the fact he won- didn't win the Super Bowl will be the overarching thing. And, you know, I can't blame people for that. But for me, when I think back to Andy's time here, it's very simple. I think it was an incredibly successful, enjoyable time. Elliot Shore Parks joining us now, Eagles reporter 94 WIP, uh, also uh, co-host of the Go Birds pod. And Elliot, now with media night behind us, now it kind of the real week gets underway here. Um, first off, how do you think this team is handling everything? And do you think that experience that at least some of the guys had last time uh, kind of aids them as they go through this process? Yeah, I, I think so. But not just the players. I think the fact that Howie and his front office have been through it, Jeffrey uh, Lurie has been through it, um, you know, just tons of people that work for the franchise, and we might not all know their names, but people that were there in 2017 have been through it. So they know how to schedule things. They know what to expect. I mean, you know, they're staying 45 minutes away from all the downtown craziness that is Super Bowl week. Like, I, I think that while the players, the majority of the players don't have this experience, I do think the franchise does, and that really that really matters. So, you know, with media night over, now it becomes a little more normal. They'll have press conferences the next three days. And then starting Friday, there'll be no more. The next time we'll talk to them will be, uh, you know, after after the Super Bowl. So I think it seems like they're doing a good job uh, handling it so far. Yeah, and just one more for you, Elliot, uh, from media night. Uh, is there any eagle that you'd say was the standout star? Did anybody come off and, and really uh, stand out tonight in terms of uh, yeah. some of their comments and appeal? Yeah, so, I mean, from the people I saw, it's tough because – you know, and I thought this going in, they have so many great personalities on the team. Like when I was around Jason Kelsey tonight, he was telling awesome stories about, you know, how much his dad means to him. When I was around Jordan Mailata, he was talking about how, you know, it's a dream of his to win the Super Bowl, but he also knows he's only played football for five years. And one of his motivations is helping the players on the team who ha- have been dreaming about this for their whole lives uh, to win it. So I thought they were both awesome. Darius Slay, um, you know, he's a serious guy, but he's also just constantly cracking jokes. So he's up there, you know, just yelling to Miles Sanders, who's at the next podium over. Uh, you know, from the highlights I've seen of his tonight, because I wasn't around him the whole time, seemed like he had a lot of fun. So, I mean, th- this team has awesome personalities. So if I had to pick a standout star, maybe it would be Slay, you know, or Kelsey. But in reality, I think that their personality has really shown through tonight. That's Elliot Shore Parks at Elliot Shore Parks, where you can find him on Twitter. And Elliot, uh, what can the people expect from you? Obviously, a lot of coverage uh, this week. And when will you be on WIP next? Well, it feels like twenty four (laughs) seven. So I think anything, yeah. But uh, no, look, we're doing uh, daily Go Birds pods uh, up until the Super Bowl, and if they win it, maybe up until the parade. So you know, if you any podcast app, Odyssey app, all those things, uh, there's the Go Birds pods in there, and they'll be updated daily. So appreciate anyone that listens. Well, there you go. That's Elliot Shore Parks, Eagles reporter, 94WIP.com, co-host of the Go Birds pod. Uh, Thanks again, uh, Elliot, for hopping on for a few minutes. Yeah, no problem. Talk to you soon, man. Take it easy. That's Elliot Shore Parks uh, out in Arizona. I mean, good time out there. I guess I I should have asked Elliot where he's staying. He's probably staying in downtown Phoenix. When I was out there earlier this year, I was staying in Scottsdale because I went to the game in Arizona back in October. You called in the postgame, didn't you? I did. I I remember. I called into the postgame that night. I mean, they must have been they must have been really hurting for guests that night if, if uh, you know, they're booking me for the show. Nah, I think you're like the number one guest. Yeah, on. a- Angelina booked me for that one. And uh, I will say this, though. Like, if anybody uh, is going to the game, and I'm sure not a ton of people are, a pretty expensive ticket, I feel bad for them after the game. It's going to be a nightmare getting out of there. I mean, it, Is it crazy getting out? Oh, I mean, the, the, the complex down there, it's 
it's cool. Like, they got the stadium and around it, you know, a bunch of restaurants, a bunch of bars, stuff like that. But, like, me and my friends, we, we get done watching the game. We go and we watch basically – I mean, that was during the, the early stages of the, the baseball playoffs. The Mets were playing the Padres. We watched the entire Mets game before we could get an Uber out of there. Wow. Like it's, and I'm talking about a week five Cardinals-Eagles game. I can't imagine what it's going to be like after a Super Bowl. I know – I mean, I think uh, Buzz Wilson had, had said to me that Ricky is trying to catch a flight. Yes, yes. I was just about <sighs> to bring that. You read my mind, TK, because last night I was, I was producing Ricky's show, and he had a caller call in uh, from Arizona, and he was asking him, like, how long it takes to get out of there or, like, if he could get a driver, that an Uber driver that could park, and then he could just run. He's He doesn't have much time. His flight's, I think, around, like, 10 o'clock He's at screwed. night. I don't think he's going to make it. No. I, I don't know. No. I, and especially since you're saying it's a nightmare to get out of there, Rick, Ricky might have to, like, put on, like, a flying shoes or something to get there. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, this is going to be—I'll have to talk to—because Ricky's actually doing the overnight tonight. So I'll, I'll talk to Ricky a little later on when we do the crossover. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's going to have to reschedule that flight. Yeah. Like, he, he's not making—you're not making that flight, Rick. You're staying the night in the Phoenix airport. Yeah. So. How So how long did it take—did you, like, did you write down, like, how long it took you? Like, did you guesstimate? No, well, the, the problem for me, too, is we're—like—and there are so many people around this area. You can't get out of there. Right. That— it completely messes up your cell phone service. And I know I'm calling into the post game, so I'm walking like 15 minutes away from the bar me and my friends are at just so I can call into the post game, you know, and, and it, it was, it, it's a, it's, it's not, not a great, um, efficient system down there. And I can't imagine after a Super Bowl what it's going to be like. So, like, way worse than the Philadelphia sports complex getting out of there. Because, like, Sixers right, games, no... you can get out pretty well. Eagles games, it takes a little bit, like an hour, but. And there's no, like, public transportation option. Right. Like, you're in Glendale, Arizona. It, it's not like. It's not like you're walking a couple blocks and there's Phoenix or you're walking a couple blocks and there's Scottsdale. It's all kind of separate. I will say I like Arizona a lot, like climate-wise. It's very nice, and and I wouldn't mind being there right now. But man, for anybody going to that game, I would I, I would say plan on being there a while after. Yeah, better better talk to Ricky tonight. Yeah, I will. I'll I'll, I'll talk to Ricky later on. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. But uh, the main topic tonight, talking about Andy Reid and the his legacy in Philadelphia, because as we head into this game and and. We'll preview it a lot during the rest of the week. I'm on a lot this week, so we'll, we'll obviously talk a lot about it. But I feel like before we get there, we need to wrap up this Andy Reid thing. And we really need to put a bow on his legacy. And there is very there are very few things in sports, in Philadelphia sports, that I feel stronger about than my adoration for Andy Reid. Like, I, this guy, what he did for this city can just not be discounted. It cannot be disrespected. I mean, he did so much to build a culture here. He did so much to build a winner here. And it wasn't just him. It was the kind of triumvirate of he and Joe Banner and Jeffrey Lurie. And Banner, uh, you know, passed his knowledge and and kind of was the mentor for Howie Roseman. I think they all kind of mentored Howie Roseman. Howie has made himself into one of the best executives in the NFL. But Andy Reid was a critical part of this organization. And to say he was not successful, to say that his years here were a disappointment, I think is incredibly disrespectful and incredibly short-sighted. Because what he did was he changed the culture. He changed the way this organization was, was, was looked at. The late 90s here were brutal. 
under Ray Rhodes and, and Bobby Hoying and just terrible years of football in which this team wasn't competitive. You look back at the 20 years before Andy got here. Yeah, they went to the Super Bowl in 80, and people romanticized the Buddy Ryan era. Fine. If you like, you know, getting to the playoffs, losing the first round, but you love great defense, I, I guess we differ in what we think is is success. But the bottom line is, in all those years, this was an irrelevant franchise. This was a middling franchise. The Cowboys were more relevant. The Giants were more relevant. Washington was more relevant. That's changed. I mean, the Eagles haven't won the division every year, but the Eagles are the feature attraction in this division now, year in, year out, in my opinion. Like, I feel like the Eagles are an organization, one of, you know, the five to ten organizations in this league that matters now. That was never the case before, and that all changed when Andy Reid came to Philadelphia. His presence um, is still felt to this day. The Eagles don't win a Super Bowl in 2017 without Andy Reid, and I don't think they win a Super Bowl this year without Andy Reid. You can still feel the effect that he's had on this organization even to this day. 215-592-9494 if you want to join the show. Let's go to John and Maple Shade. What's up, John? Hey, what's going on, TK? How are you? Good, man. How are you? Good. So, uh, yeah, a couple things. Um Back to, uh, you know, emphasizing um, he had that pick where they say it wasn't the quote-unquote sexy pick, you know, building in the trenches and taking that O-lineman or that D-lineman high in the draft and people didn't like it, but, you know, it always would pan out. Um, In my opinion, Andy Reid in all four major sports is right now the greatest coach of Philadelphia in history that we've ever had. Now, could Sirianni – Surpass that? I mean, it's a possibility. You know, he's, you know, he's still young and new, um, what, his third year. Uh, I think a lot of stuff stems from personal things off the field, which is a shame, you know. Um, I, I, I love Andy Reid, man. Obviously, I'm not going to love him on Sunday. But I tell you what, it has nothing to do with us, per se. But, you know, Jeffrey Lurie loves him because – at the time, they probably were a hundred plus million dollar organization. He turned them into a billion plus dollar organization, without a doubt, with all the winning. That's all he did was win when he was here. Yeah, John, and I, all that they and yeah. they, they became a team that mattered, man. I mean, they were Absolutely. never they were never prior to that a team that mattered. Like if the Eagles were on the were on a prime time game, it was they, they were the B side, if you would. You They're know, the they, laughing stock. Yeah, right, they were the team that was there to get beat up on. That all changed with Andy. The Eagles, if they were in prime time, they were the feature attraction. They were the team right. that was expected to win. And one more point. All the coaching, how the tree, you know, it all started with Bill Walsh, if you go way back. And and for, for Nick, not to pick on Nick because, you know, he's in, his, he's in his 20s. You know, you guys still got Similac on your breath, man. You're in your 20s. I'll be 52 February 14th. I'll be 52. You're in your 20s. There's no hatchet to bury. You're not even old enough to, to have a hatchet with Andy Reid. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's really no history. That's for any 20-year-old. Yeah. Not just, you know, not just a producer. That's for anybody in their 20s. You, no. you know, you really don't have a history with him. I, I hear you, John, and I appreciate the call. And, yeah, I mean, we got to get these young whippersnappers in, in line here. Can I because, respond to something he said? Uh, go, go ahead. Hey, how is Andy Reid the best coach in Philly sports history? He's up there. He's not the best. Charlie Manuel won a championship. I'll put him. I'll put Billy Cunningham over him. The Sixers. He Billy won. He, he won championships too. How are we going to? It's say- 
How are we going to say Andy Reid's the best coach of Philly sports history? That's ridiculous. He's, I'll give him top five. Not the best. Not the best. He didn't win a championship. It's not all about championships. Though. To me, it is. It, it, it's not. Like, and, and again, like, and I, I hate so much that I have become the old guy. I really do. I hate it. Because, you know, I, I, I used to be, the, uh, 10 years ago, I would be in your shoes and I'd be getting yelled at because I'm the one demeaning the Buddy Reiner, which, by the way, I'm right to demean the Buddy Reiner. I agree with that. You are not right to demean the Andy Reid. I'm not demeaning you it. Are. You I are. I don't being, think I'm demeaning it. You're being disrespectful. I don't think it's disrespectful to say he didn't win a championship and it's not successful to not to go to all these championship games with all the talent that they had and lose to the DeLomes, to Tampa Bay. Like, he had opportunities to get this team over the hump, and he didn't do it. And for 14 years, yeah. I mean, listen, he did a lot of good things to set this organization up. I agree with you there. Totally agree. He did a lot of great things in that respect with some of the some of the things that they, they've, they've gone forward with in their vision uh, for this franchise. But overall, if you look at it, he lost. He lost in the big games when it mattered. And, you know, I, I'm going to consider him more of a chief than an eagle when, when it's all said and done. It's just how it's going to go. And I think most people will, honestly. I mean, certainly nationally, he'll be looked at as a chief's coach. And I think that's sad because I, I do think Andy Reid – with what he did, and again, I don't look at it as it's all championships. The championships matter, sure. I mean, Doug Peterson will always have a special place in this city because he won that Super Bowl. But as far as overall success, and he's the best coach in Eagles history. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think Nick Sirianni winning on Sunday would change that. And he is still the best coach in Eagles history, even if Sirianni wins his Super Bowl. Now, can that change in a few years if he adds that resume? Sure. But with what Andy did at, at a time when this organization desperately needed it, you, you just can't overlook it. 215-592-9494. Let's get Will in the Northeast in here. What's up, Will? What's up, Tom? Listen, real quick, if I can, respectfully. From, from the first Super Bowl to Super Bowl 51, how many, how many Super Bowl has the Eagles won? None. Correct. So Doug Peterson gave us one uh, uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl 52. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. So which means between the first and the 51st Super Bowl, no other coach has won any Super Bowl with the Eagles. That's number one. I personally, I agree with you 100%. I value Andy Reid, and it's unfortunate that there are those who naysay who are as negative thinking, such as when we take a glass, we either look at it a half full glass, or half empty. We have a bunch of whiners, unfortunately, who does not appreciate a man like Andy Reid. He did not win the Super Bowl. I get it. But the numbers do not lie. Andy Reid has won more games than any other coach in Eagles history. Is that correct? Yeah, without a doubt. It's not even close. Okay. So now, here we go. Let's take it a step further, if I may, please. What would, if Andy Reid had lost Several other games and just won one Super Bowl, would he be considered the best coach ever in the Eagles history? As Doug Peterson has won one Super Bowl. I think he would by some people, Will, but like, like it's an interesting question. I mean, it, because if he had won one Super Bowl, obviously obviously the first coach to win a Super Bowl in the city was going to hold you know a, a special place here. And obviously, I wish Andy had won one, but I think his full – his full resume, his full body of work, to me, even still puts him above Doug. Now, I, I do agree, 
the ultimate is to win the Super Bowl. That's the ultimate goal for any coach whatsoever. But my other question is, if if Andy Reid is not considered one of the best coach in Eagles history, so that means all, based on that premise, that means everyone else who have coached the Eagles between the first Super Bowl and, fi- and Super Bowl 51, they're all failures as well. I would agree on that. Yeah, well, Will, and I appreciate the call. I mean, by that logic, yeah. I mean, by that logic, that's what we're looking at. And, yeah, I mean, if if we're just judging it on winning championships, then, yeah, apparently all other coaches are failures. And I just don't view it that way. I think body of work matters. I think success of the team year in, year out matters. I think context matters. And the context of this team and this franchise. And, again, I think a lot of people – probably don't want to hear this and a lot of people will probably disagree and if they disagree they, they, they're welcome to but they're wrong this was not an organization that mattered prior to Andy taking over here as much as people loved Buddy as much as people loved you know those great defensive teams this was not an organization that mattered they didn't matter nationally until Andy Reid got here he made them a perennial contender he made them somebody to be respected and to me even without a Super Bowl, that still means a whole hell of a lot. 215 592 9494 if you want to get in. 215 592 9494. See everybody on hold. We'll get back to the phones when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night. If you want to get in, 215 592 9494. Just looking up at, at opening night, I keep calling it media night, but now it's it's been rebranded. It's opening night of Super Bowl week here. And what was going on with Michael Irvin? Like, this is what is confusing me a little bit. Like, all these guys are sitting up at their press conferences. The media's down below. But Michael Irvin is just randomly up, and he's, like, standing while the other guys are sitting. It's kind of a weird angle. See, NFL Network, I feel like almost every year, I think they usually send Michael Irvin or someone with a microphone, and they get, I I, I guess, you know, they they get to be up on the stage with the players and get to ask questions, um, I I guess because of the NFL Network. But I've seen this before. Because do you remember Deion Sanders did this? He used to go around interview. I think it was the Marshawn Lynch uh, interview uh, when he just said, I, I, you know, I'm not going to get fined or whatever he said in his media day. So NFL Network, I feel like, always gets um, dibs on, like, going up to the players. Yeah, it's just it, the way they're doing it is awkward because he's standing. The other guys are sitting. They're, like, looking up it's at It's a him. weird angle. Yeah, I feel like he could have – they, they could have fixed that a little bit, but but whatever. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Want to know if you believe the Andy Reid era was successful. I do. Even without a Super Bowl. I think it was successful in terms of what it what it set up for the Eagles and what it taught this organization about winning and the way it legitimized them. Because Andy Reid's tenure legitimized this organization in a way that they were never legitimate before, in a way that they never really mattered before. And uh, I think that's something that, that we can't forget. And as we face Andy this weekend, I think officially close this chapter of Eagles history that, that – has been kind of open ended for a while. I, I think it's pretty simple. You got to appreciate what Andy Uri did. You got to look at him as one of the best coaches in the history of this city, if not the best. And if you don't, I just think you're 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 wrong. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's go to Barry in Delaware. What's up, Barry? Hey Tom. Uh, I don't know where to start, but I'm going to try. I I appreciate what you just said. Your last statement. 
that was respectable. And for the last several minutes or so, you've talked about respect, respect, respect. But I got to call you on the carpet. You've been very disrespectful in the last 20 minutes of your narrative, and this is how. You talked, you said several things that you should never say as a a, a host on the radio. Number one, you should never say, I don't have respect for fans, basically, that don't agree with me about anything. Number one, that's poor decorum on your part. It's disrespectful to us, number one. Number two, for you to say that uh, if you don't agree with me about Andy Reid, then I find it, you know, if you say you're just wrong, that's one thing. But to say that you have a hard time respecting people, that is, in fact, disrespectful for someone for the last half hour that's been rampaging about respecting people. Well, Barry, I would say maybe I should rephrase it. I would have trouble respecting their opinions. I mean, no doubt. Like, any Eagles fan— That's that's manipulation. It's the same thing. But, Barry, I mean, I I don't understand how any Eagles fan who watched that era of Eagles football can't uh, appreciate Andy Reid and can't respect Andy Reid. Like, I I, I can't— I can't, all, un- I, that can't, I can't process that in my mind. First of all, your mind is not the greatest mind on the face of the earth, so you don't have a right to judge everybody else by whether your mind can understand something. Now, that's, you're missing the point. The point is, who are you to say things about people because they don't agree with you? You're not the empirical wise all eyes. You're just one other opinion. You happen to be on the radio. So I'm telling you, with all due respect, Respect the people that are listening to your show. Now, I will say this. The, last, if I, the way I started is your last remark that I'd appreciate it because that was different from your early remark. Someone can say, hey, Tom Kelly, you're not very smart. I don't respect you because you're not very smart because I don't think you are. You don't have an empirical barometer to determine that, Tom. All you got to say is I don't agree with you. Don't, don't say I hate people that don't do this and I don't respect that. You can't do that on the radio. You can't do that in the public forum. It's incorrect and it's improper. I, I hear you, Barry. But, and and hey, that's all I'm saying, Tom. I, no I, disrespect. No problem. That's no, what I'm saying you can't talk to people like that. That's fine. I appreciate your call, Barry. And I'll rephrase. I I, I guess in this way, like I, I I honestly have trouble respecting the opinions of an Eagles fan who does not appreciate Andy Reid. And and that's that's honest. Like that that is my honest opinion, considering. What this guy did for the organization. I respect everybody who listens to the show. I respect you as people. I respect everybody who listens as people and, and everybody in general as people. But to not have respect for Andy Reid and not appreciate Andy Reid's tenure here, I mean, as an Eagles fan, as a football fan, I, I cannot process that opinion. I really can't. I can't understand that opinion considering what he has done considering the legacy that he built, the culture that he built. And let's let's face it here. I mean, part of it is emotional because for years, I've heard people take cheap shots at Andy Reid. It, it's not cor- – like, if this could just be a cordial thing, that would be different. But for years, I've heard people bash this guy and take cheap shots at him and, and talk about, you know, all sorts of different things in regard to Andy Reid. But as an Eagles fan, I don't know how an Eagles fan could have watched that era. And call, and you you don't you don't respect what he did. That bothers me. That bothers me greatly. Like as an Eagles fan growing up during that time period, as somebody who really appreciates what Andy Reid did here, it bothers me in in, in a lot of ways. 
that people don't respect what Andy did here. And you're entitled to your opinion. Like, you're you're absolutely entitled to disagree with me. But, I mean, I just think you're flat out wrong. And that's my right uh, to feel that way. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Tim Penn Square. What's up, Tim? Hello, Tim. Let's put Tim on hold. Let's go to Greg and Lansdowne. What's up, Greg? Hey. Uh, hi, Tom. Good evening. Um, I think Andy's relationship with the fans here, the passionate fan base that we have here, is like a bad marriage. They're not going to remember all the good things that you did. The marriage didn't work out, so what are they going to remember? They're going to remember what you didn't do. That's That's number one. Okay, I did let it go. I was one of the most visceral haters of Andy Reid. I mean, I, it was not healthy, my, my disdain for him, and I let that go. I don't know how. If something came over me. He won the Super Bowl, and he was being interviewed, and he was going to get a cheeseburger, and I let it go. And since then, I don't hate the guy. But, you know, the fact is, he, yeah, he won a lot of games here, and the Eagles were relevant in that decade and the whole thing, but he really screwed up a lot of really, really good chances, too, and these were personal, direct screw-ups on his part. Uh, one example, if, if he mishandled Jeremiah Trotter, and Trotter left in a hop, they couldn't, and if Trotter's on the team against the Bucs, Joe Jorovicius is not still running down that sideline. Greg, I mean, Jeremiah Trotter wanted to get paid. I, I don't know what you what you want me to say. I mean, Trotter wanted to get paid. I will say Andy probably had something to do with that decision. I don't think Andy was the sole decision maker. I think that was more Joe Banner than it was Andy, but they were playing under the constraints of a salary cap. I mean, they decided that they, didn't, they couldn't keep Jeremiah Trotter, and obviously it didn't turn out to be a good deal for Washington either, Greg. Okay. All right. So, and he was really, really dismissive and mug with a very knowledgeable, educated fan base. Obviously, he doesn't listen to the fans. We're not telling him how to coach the team. But if I was Andy's boss, it would have been like, look, you're doing a great job, but you can't manage the clock. Either you find somebody that you trust to delegate that to, or we're going to give you somebody, but you're not going to lose another important football game because you don't know how to manage the time, you've got to take a time out to eat a sandwich or something. I mean, it was absurd. See, that's the thing, Greg. That's another thing that bothers me. Take a take a time out to eat a sandwich. I mean, what, like, why does it need to be this way with Andy Reid? Like, why does it need to be the constant insults? Why can't you just appreciate what the guy did here? Because I'm, I am. I, I, I Again, I'm pointing out what he didn't do. He, he was always trying to – he thought he was smarter than everybody. He's going to outsmart himself, hiring truck drivers to be the linemen. And then, you know, he's got a double standard. He's, he, we couldn't have any, any tough guys on our team. You know, they had to be choir boys. And then he, you know, goes and wins the Super Bowl after he finally figures out that you need Greg, a bad Greg, dude on your Greg, team. That, and I appreciate the call. That storyline's a bunch of crap, okay? That storyline about Andy Reid and a bunch of criminals with the Chiefs, that's BS, okay? I'm not even going to entertain that. It's ridiculous. Like, the, the and this is the problem. It's It's... Fans like that that do bother me, and I have trouble respecting your opinion on Andy Reid. That's exactly what I meant when I said that earlier, because people bring up stuff like that and they make it ugly and they make it nasty. And I don't understand why it needs to be that. If you just don't think Andy Reid, like you, you think it's it's all Super Bowl or nothing, then fine. But it's 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 that segment of the fan base that bothers me. 
that it's got to be ugly. It's got to be nasty. And he, you say you appreciate Andy Reid. You don't appreciate him. I mean, just mocked him five times during that one call. Like, you don't appreciate what he did here. And if you feel that way, you know, you can feel that way, but you're wrong. And I don't know how you can be an Eagles fan during that time period and not have more respect for a guy that built this organization, that built this culture, and is a big part of the reason why they're still having success today. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, I did want to play a little more sound from uh, Media Night. Brandon Ayuk made some comments yesterday uh, about the Eagles and them beating the 49ers, how he sees the Super Bowl going down. Well, Darius Slay responded at Media Night. So we'll have that coming up coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night. And uh, it is pretty funny that after this many years, Andy Reid is still such a polarizing topic. I mean – it uh, it's it's never going to stop. It's been this way since 2000, Nick, since before you were born. Yeah. Andy Reid was a polarizing topic on WIP, and here we sit, you know, 23 years later, going into a Super Bowl against Andy Reid, and it's he's still as polarizing as ever. Yeah, I mean, two two different sides you and I have taken. I listen, I I respect Andy Reid what he did here. I mean, he he probably is the greatest coach. He is the greatest coach, I should say, in Eagles history. But like if you do look at it, I mean, if you ultimately don't win, I just look at it as a failure. And, you know, he, he did a lot of great things, set him up. But, I mean, hey, uh, people still have strong opinions on Andy Reid, and I think it's just c- going to continue, especially after this game. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, I, I just I, I disagree. I, I don't feel that way. I think you got to look at the big picture. And what Andy Reid did and the, the, the legacy that he leaves is one of turning around this franchise. And I still think – you can feel his impact to this day and the way this team builds. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Get back to the phones here. But I, I did want to um, follow up on something that that made some news over the weekend. And first, here was Brandon Ayuk, 49ers receiver, uh, you know, talking about the Eagles and the fact that he thought that the Niners would be able to exploit the Eagles more and who he thinks is going to win this Super Bowl. And, you know, Brandon Ayuk is entitled to to his opinion, but, again, he's wrong. I mean, the 49ers, I don't think they would have won that game with Brock Purdy under quarterback. Would they have had a better chance? Clearly. I mean, Josh Johnson isn't an NFL caliber quarterback. The Niners were playing without a serviceable quarterback in that game. They couldn't throw the ball, and that was a big deal. But I I don't agree that they would have exploited this Eagle defense. But I was wondering how some of these Eagles would respond at media night uh, especially a guy like Darius Slay, who you know is one to uh, give his opinion, not be shy about it. Here was Slay when asked about those Brandon Ayuk comments. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'll just be laughing at it, you know. Uh, I don't know where he goes to explode because uh, we've been the number one defense in the passing game for, uh, I think, almost the whole year, you know. So, I don't mean, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, it was, that was weird. Like, so, uh, yeah, bad sportsmanship by him. Bad. So there, there was Darius Slay uh, at media night kind of talking about uh, Brandon Ayuk in his comments. And, yeah, I mean, I think it was stupid. Like, I, I But I will thank Brandon Ayuk because I think this is something the Eagles are absolutely going to use their advantage this week. And if you want to get into 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494, do you think this is something that the Eagles can use? And, and I think Nick Sirianni especially, he sees comments like that and he salivates. Now, will it really matter? Will it really resonate? Who knows? But – I mean, the Eagles, they have found ways to use things to their advantage throughout the course of this year. And Sirianni is very good at this in terms of motivating this team. Um, you know, they have certainly carried around this chip on their shoulder like they've been disrespected. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but they came out of that Niner game and seemed to think they were disrespected going in. I think they should have been bigger favorites, think they should have been bigger favorites against the Giants. Um, and... You know, that's something this team loves to seize on, and, and I think they're going to use those Brandon Ayu comments and certainly use them to their advantage. And, I mean, of all things to come after on this team, the pass defense I don't think is 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 a smart move. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. See everybody on hold. We will get to as many calls as possible coming up in the next segment, the 12 o'clock hour. So uh, make sure you hang there. We'll get back to the phones when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly with you till two sports radio, 94 WIP 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night. If you want to get in two one five five nine two nine four nine four is how you join the show. Talking a lot about Andy Reed tonight as we have all week to preview this game. I'll be on uh, a, a lot this week and we will obviously get into Super Bowl 57. And if you want to talk about it, you want to give your keys and, and, you know, things, matchups you're interested in, you're welcome to. But I, I felt like before we look forward, we really did need to look back at the Andy Reid era because this kind of closes that chapter. This closes that book on Andy Reid and his relationship with Philadelphia. And again, like I'll, I'll say it very clearly, like I think it's simple. Andy Reid is one of the most consequential figures in the history of this city, and Andy Reid deserves the respect and admiration of every Philadelphia fan and every Eagles fan. I mean, with what he did here, what he taught this organization, the way he showed this organization how to win. I mean, from from building a roster, filling out a coaching staff, all the things that the Eagles do well now, all the things that they prioritize now, they learned from Andy Reid. And I really have a problem with people who continue to disrespect him and just not appreciate him. And I want to know, how do you feel about Andy Reid? And if you want to get in 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494, and tonight has been a reminder that he he might be the most polarizing personality in the history of this city. I mean, there's something about that era. Because you look at Andy, you look at Donovan, they might be the two most polarizing people to ever come through this city. I mean, it's 2023, and obviously newsworthy right now. Eagles playing the Super Bowl this week. But still, I mean, Andy Reid elicits on one side or the other such an intense feeling from people. I don't understand how those feelings can be negative. Um, and I'd love to get your take if you want to get in. But still, he 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 elicits those kind of feelings from people. And, uh, you know, whether it's positive or negative, everybody in Philadelphia has a strong opinion on Andy Reid. I think he's one of the great, greatest coaches in the history of the city. I think he's done more for you know his organization than any sp- any 
coach in this city, certainly in recent memory, has. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. And uh, with that, Nick Earnshaw has departed for the evening. Thank you to Nick for producing the first two hours of the show. Buzz Wilson now takes over for the next two hours. Now, Buzz, I know you're you're a younger guy as well. You're a little older than than Nick. How do you feel about Andy Reid? What, what do you what do you think when Andy Reid's name comes up? Yeah, we've discussed this before on the air. Andy Reid was the coach of my childhood, from my earliest sports memories. The first, you know, games I ever remember watching in any sport was like, I think I told you this once that I made you feel old was the 03 NFC Championship against the Panthers, and like the first real team I remember was I was in first grade when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl in 04. And, like, Andy Reid and Donovan, like, were the guys I grew up idolizing. Like, I had my Donovan jersey. Of course, I had a Doc jersey. Um, you know, got into T.O., and then he quickly left, all that stuff. But, like, those early Eagles teams were most, like, my most impressionable years. And, of course, it ended poorly, and I was ready for him. He coached, by the way, all the way to the my freshman year in high school. So, like, for my entire sports fandom life into teenage years, Andy Reid was my coach. And I know that's very similar to how you feel, obviously having been a little older during those seasons. But I really liked Andy Reid. I was ready. I was kind of sick of him by the end. I think it was everybody. Everybody knew it was time to go. Everyone knew it was time to go. But as I look back, I think I would maybe feel a little differently about him if the Eagles had not won a Super Bowl previous to him winning one. But I absolutely rooted for him a few years ago when they played the 49ers. Was happy he got one. And I think you're 100% correct about the influence he's had on this organization and those effects still being felt today. He changed this team from an irrelevant, oftentimes losing organization who was not nearly as competitive as we know here in the 21st century to, you look since 2000, we've rattled off all the stats, Eagles seven conference championships, the second most of any team in the NFL, only to the Patriots. Five of those were under Andy Reid. Yes, I understand he never got this team over the hump. Yes, it is about winning Super Bowls. And if the Eagles go on to win Sunday, Doug Peterson and Nick Sirianni will have, you know, it will have an accomplishment here in Philadelphia that Andy Reid never achieved. And certainly that is the ultimate goal. But as far as, like, you know the expression, like, so-and-so walked so the other guys could run? Like, it feels like Andy Reid walked in the city so that Doug Peterson and hopefully this Sunday Nick Sirianni could run. He was the guy who got bloody going through the door and turned, frankly, the direction of this organization around to one of the most competitive and one of the most successful organizations in professional sports in my lifetime and since the year 2000. Yeah, no doubt about it. And if you want to get into one five five nine two nine four nine four, and I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, there is no... Super Bowl 52 without Andy Reid. I truly believe that. I don't think the Eagles are in the Super Bowl today without Andy Reid. And you could say, oh, Nick Sirianni has no connection to Andy Reid. Andy fired him in Kansas City. But it's the way the organization runs. It's the fact and how he – I just read it in an an article by uh, Chris Franklin of NJ.com on on Monday uh, as far as how much Howie credits Andy with what he learned and the fact that Andy was willing to take this inexperienced kid who was working in the front office basically as an intern under his wing and, and help teach him the game of football and, and, and teach him how to do things in the NFL. He showed this organization how to win. He showed how to build a culture. He showed how to build a coaching staff. And for that reason, I just, I have a real problem with people who disrespect him, And I have a real problem with people who refuse to acknowledge what he meant to this organization and and how much he's done for this organization in this city. 215-592-9494. Let's go back to the phones. Go to Mike in South Philly. What's happening, Mike? Hey, how's it going, Tom? Good, man. What's up? Yeah, I um, 
I was fine with Andy Reid. I have no ill will toward him. Uh, I like Andy Reid. Uh, you know, I, but I hope on Sunday that we, we smoke him. You know? No doubt about that. I mean, I'm certainly not rooting for him on Sunday, Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised at how little I care about the Andy Reid angle for this game. Honestly, in 2017, I, I wanted to beat Belichick more than I want to beat Andy Reid this year. Like, to me, it's not even – like, I really don't even really care about it that much going into the game. Uh, I'm more interested in Patrick Mahomes and, and uh, you know, seeing how the Eagles, uh, you know, look going up against the best quarterback in the sport. Yeah, I think when you look at Andy, Mike, I kind of – I look at it the same way. Like, I hold no ill will toward Andy, obviously. Like, my joy wouldn't come from beating him. I just think it's really interesting when you look at, you know, what he's done here and the fact he's facing the Eagles in the Super Bowl. It's 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 something that seemed like it would never happen. It seemed like it would be too crazy to actually, actually come about. So I've been listening to the talk over the last few days, and, you know, there's been kind of debate, like, you know, some of the hosts have been debating, like uh, – you know, are, are the fans overconfident? Should we be too? Should we feed this confident? Or you know, are we not giving the Chiefs enough respect? Stuff like that. Um, I don't think the game's going to be a blowout. I am confident the Eagles are going to win the game, but I definitely think it'll be a difficult challenge. I mean, you know, you're going up against a Hall of Fame coach. You're going up against uh, a great team, uh, the best quarterback. So it'll definitely be a challenge. Uh, so I spent the last couple of days. You know, the bye week's boring to be honest. So you know, you try to you know, either get your mind off of it or overanalyze, you know, depending on the day. And, you know, the last couple of days I was trying to think of like, you know, if, if there, you know, think of things that, you know, maybe would concern me for this game, considering that I'm confident. Um, and honestly, what concerns me most, if I had to pick a couple of things would be, I don't think Jalen Hurts played particularly well against the Niners. Uh, like he has to play better than he did in that game for the Eagles to beat the Chiefs. Now, it, it certainly helped the Eagles that the Niners lost their starting quarterback, and then they leaned on the run game. But he had one of his worst passing performances in a while in that game. His passes were off. And I'm not even talking about, like, you know that one overthrow to A.J. Brown? I'm not even talking about that pass. Like, there were some of the passes that he completed that were, that were bad passes. Like, remember the, the one A.J. Brown pass where he had to pick it off almost off the dirt? Um, there was a Devontae Smith completion in the flat where Devontae had to stop and kind of fall on his backside to catch the ball. Like if, if he would have caught it in stride, he could have picked up an extra five to 10 yards. Uh, he was just really off in that game. Now, I don't think it really had anything to do with the shoulder. That, that this is the way I love viewing it. But if you're going to outslug a team like the Chiefs with Mahomes, he's going to have to throw the ball much better. No, no doubt, Mike. And, you know, Jalen didn't play a great game against the Niners. Like you said, he didn't need to. Uh, you know, obviously he missed that deep one to A.J. Brown. But the Eagles didn't really need him to. Now, I think he'll need to play better. But I'll tell you what, Mike. I think the Eagles really have an advantage up front. I mean, I, yeah. I just I, – I, I look at the Eagles' offense, and this is where I think they have a massive advantage in this game. I just – this Chiefs' defense is not good. Like, Chris Chris Jones is is – a good player, but the, overall that defense is not great. I, I don't think the Eagles' offense is going to have much trouble moving the football. You no, know, I agree, and I, I think like if, you know, if somebody were to say if the Eagles lost the game, it would be because of blank, and I would say either Jalen Hurts played very, very poorly, or the Eagles have one of their you know flu, their rare heavy turnover games like they did against Washington. Other, if, if they if, if Hurts plays well and the Eagles don't turn the ball over. I'm extremely confident that the Eagles are going to win the game. And looking at the Niners game, going back to that game for a second, um, he kind of looked a little bit like he did in 2021. Here's where I think what happens with Hurts. And and he's improved significantly. In fact, I think you can make an argument he's improved more in one season than maybe any any quarterback I've ever seen. Like, it's, it's insane how much he's improved. However, you did see some signs versus the Niners where 
and I think this is where he kind of struggles sometimes when he doesn't feel comfortable in the pocket. He kind of hears footsteps and he bails on the pocket too quickly. And I thought maybe he kind of over-respected the Niners defense to where there was maybe a little bit of a pass rush, but not a great pass rush. And he kind of, he put his head down, stopped looking downfield. He got a little antsy. He got a little happy feet and he was, he was missing his passes and he was getting a little, uh, and he was losing confidence in himself to deliver the ball. So, but where I think benefits him versus the Chiefs, Tom, is I think Jalen Hurts, I think he struggles more with the edge rush than, than the, uh, you know, you're rushing from the interior. because and, and, and the Chiefs are built, their best pass rusher is an interior lineman, is Chris Jones. Uh, but the thing that's great about Hurts is if you can bottle, if, if the Eagles' tackles can keep the, the Chiefs' edge rushers uh, protected, then Jalen Hurts has the athletic ability to escape outside or on the edge, and, and that's where he likes running. But, you know, if you keep him bottled up in the pocket, that's where I think he struggles. But I think the Eagles will be able to protect on the edge. Like, I, that's where the Eagles' best part of their line right, is. Right, yeah, Mike, and I appreciate the call, yeah, I and, I, and I think that's a good point because you did see that in the 49er game a little bit where – you know, when Jalen is hemmed into the pocket and he can't escape to the outside, that is kind of where – I wouldn't even say he gets into trouble, but maybe where he gets a little uncomfortable. And if I'm the Chiefs from a pass rush perspective, I'm looking at what the Niners did, and you need to keep him in the pocket because when you lose contain, you allow those rush lanes for Jalen Hurts, that's when he can beat you. I mean, that that's when he can beat you. Now, when you look at – at this game, and I've been looking at it a lot the last couple the last couple days here, um, I feel really good about the Eagles matchups in a lot of areas. I mean, on the lines, I just think the Eagles are better on both sides of the ball, especially on the offensive line versus the Chiefs defensive line. I don't think that's something we've we talked about enough because so much of the conversation, and I understand why, when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, it's can this Eagles defense limit Patrick Mahomes? Can the Eagles shut down the Chiefs passing game? Um but I, I look at the other side of the ball, and I don't think this Chiefs defense is going to be able to stop the Eagles' offense. I mean, I just think when you look at the matchups up front, the Eagles should be able to dominate. I mean, they dominated the Giants. They have a good defensive line. I mean, the Giants don't have a great team. They have a good, a good front. The 49ers, now obviously their defense was on the field a lot. I think the Niners' defense honestly did a pretty good job uh, for the majority of the first half of that game, and then they just wore down because – it's going to happen when you're on the field forever. But the Eagles' offense, the offensive line, dominated up front. I don't know. I look at this game, and, and I just think the Eagles, uh, there's a chance they just put the, push the Chiefs around up front, Buzz. I think this offensive line has a significant advantage in that in that respect. I would not be surprised if the Eagles' offense puts up a lot of points in this game. What I guess my biggest concern, and I know it's been a talking point uh, for a while here for the past week or so, is like if the Eagles and Chiefs really get into a shootout, if Hurts and Mahomes are going blow for blow, I do not think that's a a game script that would favor the Eagles. Like I think the Eagles are capable of putting up a lot of points. I think Jalen Hurts is capable of putting up a lot of points. There's been certainly a lot of discussion. I agree the Eagles' defense slowing down Mahomes, and I don't know that the Chiefs' defense will be able to slow down the Eagles' rushing or passing attack attack consistently. If they're can, like. If this is a really, really high-scoring game, do you feel good about the Eagles' chances to win? No, no. If it's a shootout, you, 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 you give the you're going to Mahomes. Take, of course. Yeah, if it's a shootout, you're going to take Mahomes. So and, you're going to need the Eagles' defense to at least somewhat contain, you know, time of possession. Something like long, drawn-out drives 
is better. Like I, I don't want to see quick scores, right. especially in the second half. Well, what I don't wor- well, the reason I don't worry about that, and I, I, I'll throw you know two, if you want to get in here two one five five nine two nine four nine four. But the reason I don't really worry about that is the Chiefs' outside receivers aren't very good. Like Juju Smith Schuster, Marquez Valdez Scantling. They're not great. And they're like, out hard men in the game, yeah. I feel like this is – and the Chiefs have kind of gotten by without him. But I think this is the kind of game that's really going to highlight, yeah, they do miss Tyreek Hill more. And their lack of offensive talent all, yeah. outside of Travis because, Kelsey. I mean, you look at it from a, from a man-to-man standpoint here. I mean, Darius Slay and James Bradbury should be able to take the outside receivers out of the game. Like, you would expect the Eagles' corners more often than not would win that matchup – and this is where Avante Maddox's health is so important because I think Avante Maddox, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, they're going to be the guys with charged with uh, with covering Travis Kelsey. I mean, Travis Kelsey is really the concern here. If anybody's going to beat you, it is going to be Travis Kelsey, and the Eagles, they need to make sure they take him away, desperately need to make sure they take Kelsey away in this game. It's really, really interesting because you look at these two teams matchup-wise, and I think just about everyone agrees that the Eagles roster top to bottom, like talent-wise, is like significantly better than the Chiefs. Like they're a lot deeper at most positions. But the Chiefs have the advantage in like the most critical positions. Like I believe and I think you would agree that the Chiefs probably have the better, definitely more experienced coach in this game. Mm-hmm. Not no knock on Sirianni, but just Andy Reid has, you know, been around the block a while. They have the better quarterback in Mahomes. They have the better tight end in Kelsey. And then outside of that, like the Eagles have the advantage probably just everywhere. About, just about every other position. So the question is, like, what's more important, having the advantage at coach and quarterback or the advantage at, like, the rest of the roster? Yeah, and I want to throw this out to the audience because we've talked about overconfidence a lot, and people are extremely confident. And I was on last night, talked about it a lot in terms of, like, it's almost disconcerting how confident people are going into this game because it's just typically not the way we feel going into a huge game. You usually have some sort of, uh, of concern, and I'm not sensing a lot of concern but are we underrating Patrick Mahomes to a degree? And if you want to get in 215 this dude's best player in football. And, um, you know, if there's anybody who's capable of beating a team by himself, it's Patrick Mahomes. And I want to know, are we, are we underrating him a little bit, as crazy as that sounds? 215-592-9494. Let's go to Derek in West Philly. What's up, Derek? What's up, PK? How you doing tonight? Good, man. How are you? I'm okay, can't complain. Um, let me say this. You don't get trophies for second and third and fourth place. You do know that, right? Yeah, I know that, Derek. Okay. I, I just, it, it don't sound like you know it. Well, Derek, because I mean, I think there's context that we need to look at here. Like, yeah, the Eagles didn't win the Super Bowl under Andy. There were some damn good years, though. Well, what's – okay, let me put it to you this way, TK. What's damn good about – going into the bar and being laughed at because we never won a Super Bowl. What's good about that? Well, Derek, I mean, uh, well, we won a Super Bowl now. Like, doesn't that change things a little bit? Like, when you reflect back no, on Andy's era? A lot. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. Because of Doug Peterson, the greatest coach we ever had, because he won us a Super Bowl. We could never talk about a Super Bowl. We would get laughed at. And humiliated when we walk into a bar. Who's la- Derek? Who was laughing at you during those years? Cowboy fans, whose team was a, a bottom barrel, so, you know, a team in the league. Everybody, because everybody almost won a Super Bowl besides the Eagles and a few other, few other teams. We was the laughing stock of the NFC. Even the Giants won a few times. I think they won twice. We never won, 
Andy Reid's famous quote was, I got to do a better job. I got to do a better job. I got to do a better job. He said that a billion times instead of doing a better job. When he left here, then I could see if we was in Kansas City and you were saying this. But it's, we, we, we don't have nothing to appreciate to Andy Reid. He left us with loser mentality. So, we never won anything when he was here. Nothing. Derek, I understand they didn't win a championship, okay? I understand that. First of all, I don't agree they didn't win nothing. Like, let's face it, this team dominated this division. They were in so many conference championship games. And you can't deny this, Derek. I mean, from 2000 to 2004 specifically, you can't tell me those weren't at least fun years to, to watch this team. You can't You can't believe that. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna say they were fun. They were embarrassing. They were embarrassing. embarrassing. When you lose, it's embarrassing and it's humiliating. And that's what he left us with. And I'm glad he's gone. But I tell you one thing: he's coming through this week because he's finally going to give us our parade on the other side of the field. I hear you, Derek, and I, I <laughs> appreciate. I appreciate the call, and I know people feel this way, like Derek. And I'll tell you what. This is going to be the only, the only solace, the only solace to me if the Eagles lose this game. And I obviously don't want that to happen, okay? So don't spin what I'm saying here. But the only good that can come out of this game is that people like Derek and these underappreciators of Andy Reid, at least Andy can laugh in their face. That's the only, like, and I know it's a, I believe it's a vocal minority of the fan base. I think most people in this fan base do appreciate Andy. And if you want to get in 215-592-9494. But, and I like Derek. I, I, I talk to Derek a lot. I, I appreciate him calling. I, I respect his opinions. But I, 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 that bothers me so much. It bothers me so much that you look at it that way. And honestly, I feel bad for you. Like, I feel bad for you. If you really look back at that era and you can't at least admit those were fun times. Like, those were good years of watching football. Week in, week out. Like, how many, 90% of the time, you could count on the Eagles going in and kicking somebody's ass. And, yeah, they lost in the in in the championship game a few years in a row. They lost in the Super Bowl. But, I mean, the way, Dan, does it not bother you? People say, Andy gave nothing? That he gave nothing? That's ridiculous. It That's is ridiculous. ridiculous. Because that is just looking at the whole picture way too black and white and saying that because he didn't deliver on a Super Bowl, that nothing else he did mattered. Yes, we all agree and acknowledge that Super Bowls are the ultimate prize. That is what counts. But you have to be competitive. You have to be a relevant organization to even contend for a Super Bowl. Winning a Super Bowl is hard. Like, winning the Super Bowl is hard, and I think it was actually Brandon Ayuk, and all of the, as much as we've made fun of him on the station this week, the one thing that he said that actually was accurate in, like, ripping the Eagles was that you do have to be you have to have some element of luck to win the Super Bowl. You have to get breaks to go your way. Which the Eagles have had this year. Which the Eagles have had this year. And, they, you know, they've largely dominated, and I think they've actually had less luck this time around than they did five years ago. But you do have to get some bounces to go your way. You have to get some element of luck on your side. There have been plenty of really, really good teams, the best teams in the, the league that respective year, who did not win the Super Bowl. The 07 Patriots were undefeated and lost to the Giants. You're telling me that, like, the Giants were the better team? No, they were on that given day, so they won. Just because Andy Reid never hoisted a Lombardi here, and by the way, he did in Kansas City, does not mean that the groundwork he laid to, for this organization being successful like, doesn't have any impact 
on a like memories for us as a fan and b to your greater point how successful this organization has been for two decades now. Right, and that's another part of it. You cannot ignore what they're doing now. You cannot ignore where the Eagles are now. You cannot ignore the fact that, yeah, Doug Peterson and Derek just glossed over. Oh, yeah, Doug Peterson actually gave us something. Well, you know why Doug Peterson was here, Derek? Because Andy Reid recommended him to Jeffrey Lurie for the job. And Andy Reid taught Doug Peterson first when he played for him. Then, as he developed him as a coach, like Andy Reid is pretty damn important in this organization's history. Uh, let's go to John in West Philly. What's up, John? Hey, how you doing, brother? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, man. You know, I listened to what you say, and I heard you talking a couple days ago about this um, thing. But like I said, this bothers me because I grew up in the 70s. My dad started taking me to the Eagles games in the 70s. We've seen Dick Vermeil get to the Super Bowl. But – what, what really bothers me with this whole situation, I don't feel like Eagles fans have to bow down to Andy Reid because when it comes down to Andy Reid, Andy Reid basically left us high and dry with championship games. And people can say whatever they want about what he left with the organization, what he did with playoff games and stuff like that. What it comes down to, it comes down to championship games. And it just bothers them when you say stuff like that because, you know, we sat up in the 700 level for years at the vet and watched games. And when this coach that you say that everybody should, you know, be so appreciative of and be like bow down to, this coach in 2004 when they made the Super Bowl and he turned around and he's seen that Donovan McNabb with like two or three minutes left – and they're driving, trying to score. And people have sat there since preseason and watched this team. And he's driving. This, this man, and he admitted after the game that he was exhausted, that he, he couldn't go. Andy Reid sat there and watched this guy drive down the field. And even Bill Belichick was mic'd up in that Super Bowl and said, does Andy Reid know the, the, or does do they know that basically the time's running off the clock, we have the lead, and people are screaming, you know, move, move, move. And, and Donovan McNabb just trots up like it's a preseason game. Yeah, John, Donovan was, Donovan was gassed in that game. Like, I don't know what you want. I don't know what you want Andy to do in that. What, you want him to pull Donovan out of the game? He needs to turn around and pull him out and take put somebody in. Just like John, you're in, John. You want you're so now you're saying they should have yeah. taken Donovan out and put Coy Detmer in a Super Bowl? Are you out of your mind? What would you do if you had a cornerback that had a broken ankle that was laying on the on the ground? Would you turn around and say, "Well, get up, play"? He didn't have a broken ankle, John. Dude, I'm I'm saying if you had a cornerback. He was exhausted. He couldn't play. You know what Donovan McNabb's problem was? He had no heart. Oh, John, get John. Are you are you kidding me, John? Do you know how many injuries Donovan McNabb played through when he was in Philadelphia? Like, are you are you out of your mind? Tom, can I ask you something? Sure. When 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 fans go when they start and like I said, my dad started taking me in the seventies. I like your show and everything like that. But my dad started taking me in the seventies. Well, John, how do you feel about Buddy Ryan? I'm just curious. To me, you love him, don't you? But no, Buddy Ryan was good. 
but Buddy Ryan couldn't get them to the championship. So to me, I'm not I'm not wound up on Buddy Ryan, but to me, why do fans? Let me ask you something. Why do fans go to these these games? They don't go for the statistics. How how many yards McNabb passed for, or how many wins that that um, Andy Reid had? They basically go to see wins in the championships and Super Bowls. That's all we care about. We don't care about Andy Reid reaching the Hall of Fame. We don't care anything else. And yeah, to me, but like John, said, like that's hard to do. Like you understand that nobody had done that before, Andy, right? Like all those years you were there before, nobody other, had done that other, either. Yes, but Tom, other organizations, the 49ers, the Cowboys back in the 90s, other teams have done that. And what have the Cowboys done since then? What have the Where 49ers have been, done since then? How many, how many how many Super Bowls do the 49ers have that they won? How, how many, many Super Bowls, Bowls do they have in the last 30 years, John? How many how many Super Bowls do all those teams have versus what we have because we sat there and suffered what Andy Reid put us through because he was too ignorant <laughs> to turn around and go up. He wanted to be basically, you know, friends with McNabb and be like, oh, well, let, let, let's not stir the pot. He could have put in a – if he had taken basically one of the reserve quarterbacks, thrown him in there, who knows? Yeah. Maybe they would have lost, but they wouldn't have run all the time I, off. The I, I, I got you, John. Now, this is where we are now. Andy should have pulled Donovan out of the Super Bowl. He should have pulled Coy Detmer in. I mean, that. I will say that's a take I've never heard before. But, like, you're talking about the Niners, talking about the Cowboys. Like, what have, what have they done since Andy – took over for the Eagles. Like, what if the Cowboys... We've been mocking the Cowboys for 30 years now. Like, if you want to go back and... and I think John might be stuck in the 90s or something. Like, what the hell have the Cowboys accomplished since Andy Reid came here? And you know what? A big part of that is because Andy Reid beat them up for years. Andy Reid dominated the Cowboys. What are the 49ers... When's the last time they won a Super Bowl? 94? Am I missing one in there? Yeah, well, the, the Niners, unlike the Cowboys, have at least been to the Super Bowl and been to conference championships. Right. In this century, the Cowboys have not. That's even worse. It just, I, and honestly, John, you're entitled to your opinion. I feel bad for you. Like, I really do. If you are, for people that look at sports that way, that, I mean, it must be a, it must be a, a painful way to have to watch sports. If you really can't enjoy anything. And if you can say you didn't enjoy those years and it's all about championships. And if you don't win a championship, it's all failure. And honestly, I feel bad for you because that's obviously you want to win championships, but it's not that easy. And, you know, if you can't enjoy the ride and you can't at least enjoy the great seasons that the Eagles had under Andy Reid, then honestly, I, I kind of feel bad for you. Benching Donovan in the Super Bowl is one hell of a take it that is. I have never heard in my life. I've never heard it. I mean, Donovan was gassed. We all know he was not in great shape. I think that went over in the locker room if they benched <laughs> Donovan McNabb. Right. Yeah, the, you know on, what? The quarterback of the number one seed who got them there. Yeah, but yeah, that's a great point. Next time I see Ike, I'll run that by him. If they benched five, yeah. what would your reaction have been? Yeah, I don't think I don't think the players would have supported that move. I think Andy would have been dealing with a mutiny had he benched Donovan and put Coy Detmer in the he in might have, the fourth He quarter. might have been the president of the Terrell Owens fan club after that, but that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> but knowing uh, knowing how Donovan's career has gone, unfortunately, Coy Detmer probably would have came and won the game. I mean, the fact that Foles won a Super Bowl, 
Jalen Hurts might win a Super Bowl Sunday. Could you imagine you know. WIP the day after? Like, Alabama won a cha- national championship with Hurts getting benched and Tua coming into the game, right? Could you imagine WIP the day after, not due to injury, but like Wentz got benched for Foles or McNabb got benched for Detmer and they came Ugh. back and won? Uh, no, the, the I take, can't. The takes that would fly on the air. It would be it would be incredible. Uh, it, it would be like the greatest and worst thing ever. I mean, well, it would, maybe we'll it see. It would actually be electric radio. You, you, maybe we'll see. Well, maybe we'll see. I mean, if Jalen Hurts Hurt goes out injured, on Sunday, I mean, Mitchell wins, then you know the talks will start. Should Gardner Mitchell be the starter? It would obviously year. be the greatest thing ever because they've won the Super Bowl and it would be an electric day for radio. But I'm not sure we'd be able to like physically handle it. I don't know anyone's I, prepared to do a show like I, that. I don't need another quarterback controversy after a Super Bowl. Just give us a nice victory. Jalen plays well. Jalen well. Uh, he I, he went the. Jalen Hurts solidifies himself as the franchise quarterback as he already has. He wins MVP, and there's no if ands, or buts about it. No, yeah, that would be that would be ideal. 215-592-9494. Get back to the phones when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Obviously talking a lot of Andy Reid, but we have been talking about uh, Super Bowl opening night. If anybody wants to uh, chime in on that, if you saw anything interesting from it, um, talk about that a little earlier. Dan, what do you think about opening night? You you a fan of all the festivities? I think I think it's fun. I mean, it's cool. It's not, It's ultimately, you know, just a lot of... A lot of nonsense. Not a lot of nonsense, but I think it's cool when I think it's a good change up to what we see during the year. Someone, you know, yourself, me, you know, we work here in this industry and we cut up a lot of press conferences during the year and you hear a lot of the same stuff. Like anyone who's really married to watching these press conferences knows you get a lot of cliches from Jalen, you know, rents due every day or hard work or a coach's kid, whatever, or you get Nick Sirianni just kind of giving the company line. And so it does – I do have a sense of appreciation for it because it's different from the usual press conferences we've seen all season long. Like, at least they're showing a little bit of personality. Is it a lot of it fluff? Yes, of course it is. But it's – would you rather just more of the same? Well, no. Well, I just hate – like, and I'm not – trust me. I mean, I'm not in doing what I do. I'm not a protector of journalism. I'm not a journalist. I'm no, no, I, w- I would like to but, clarify, this is different from journalism. You, but right. I mean, we go through a lot of the press conferences looking for sound for our shows. Don't you, as someone who's watched countless hours of press conferences, just hear the same thing over and over again? At least this is a little different. A little bit, but I also uh, I'm fine without like these idiotic questions that are being asked. Like I don't need to hear Nick Sirianni being asked if Sunday's a must-win game. Okay, like I don't need. Obviously, that's a bad question, regardless of when it's asked. I don't. Did you hear the one of somebody basically say it was more of a statement to Jalen Hurts? Oh, I didn't think you were very good. I didn't think you were going to be able to get the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Jalen just is like, all right, cool. Like I don't need to do with that, and and I could do without the kids too. I I I, I know you're not a fan earlier. Yeah, you're not a fan. Maybe uh... I'm not a fan of the children. I I feel like you know that there's it needs to be a little more professional. A little more professional. I could get on board with a little bit more professional. I mean more so, like, I don't mind. It's cheesy and corny, and I'm not, like, a huge sucker for it or anything. But I don't mind. Like, I'm going through the best of opening night here on YouTube. Like, Zach Pascal's doing an Eagles chant. They're asking guys about cheese steaks and stuff like that. But, like, at least you get a little bit of back and forth. 
Some guys aren't going to be into it, and it's the responsibility of the journalists to know that a guy like Brandon Graham or Darius Slay is going to have more fun with that than Jalen Hurts. That's not a Jalen Hurts question. It's true. I so, mean, it's or, the, or the Kelseys. I know we were talking a little bit in the break, and we'll get to it more, that this Kelsey story has already been overblown from a national perspective. But it is a human interest story. It was kind of cool to see Donna Kelsey up there with you know Travis and Jason. I think some of it's good. How about that? Fair, fair enough. 215-592-9494. Also talking about Andy Reid and your feelings on Andy Reid. I mean, uh, you know, start of the week. Obviously, we're going to get into the game as the week goes on here. But I wanted to get people's thoughts on Andy as, you know, this Super Bowl um, gets underway, the week gets underway, and the Eagles kind of wrap up this chapter with Andy Reid uh, talking about that as well. Let's go to Chuck and Mount Airy. What's up, Chuck? Hey, man. What's going on, Tom Kelly? How's it going, Chuck? Oh, man, listen, I didn't call up the Thorny Bouquets and Andy Reid. Andy Reid's a loser, okay? And uh, he's going to always be a loser in my eyes. All right, he's hit me through misery as an Eagles fan. So and Andy Reid gave you misery, Chuck, huh? Yeah, he gave me misery as an Eagles fan. You know, sitting up, at, you know, for hours, tailgating in that cool weather just to lose NFC Championship game after NFC Championship game. He never got any, he never got Donovan McNabb adequate weapons on the outside until 2004 when he finally decided to wake up and get a brain and get T.O., okay? This guy is a loser, all right? And I don't think we should be throwing bouquets at this guy. He, 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 this guy, let me tell you, the only thing he did well was fire, or not fire, uh, we fired Nick Sirianni and got him. But he, uh, he let, he let uh, uh, what's his name, Doug Peterson go. And allowed us to have him. Well, you know, Chuck, that he. You know that he recommended Doug for the job, right? Like that. That's why Doug got the job. But that's the only thing I thank Andy Reid for, because it brought us the Super Bowl here. Okay, we are running the oldest franchises in history, and never, never had a ring. Andy Reid ain't do no more than what Rich Kotite did, than what Buddy Ryan did, than what Dick Vermeil did. He's a loser. So you don't, Chuck. You don't think there's anything to the fact that Andy changed the culture here. You don't think there's think anything that, to him changing I, I, I the mentality a, here? You don't think, think that matters? Garb- I think it's a bunch of garbage. This is one of the richest franchises in history, okay? Andy Reid didn't do nothing but capitalize on that when he came here, all right? Before he got here, we had Buddy Ryan. We had gangrene defense. We had an identity. We just have a championship, and he didn't do nothing to help that, okay? But take us, like I said, to championships, and he failed miserably. Even in 2009 against the Arizona Cardinals, a team that we smoked in the regular season, Went up to Arizona and laid an egg. All right, this guy in the biggest games choked. If he goes to the Chiefs and he wins one, all right. As far as I'm concerned, he's a Kansas City Chief. He's no longer an Eagle, and he's going against us this week to try to prevent us from winning another ring, just like he did 20 some odd years ago. Oh Andy Reid can stick it. All right, yeah. I want to go up there and I want to screw with Andy Reid and I want to beat him and I want to beat him bad. Yeah, everybody okay, wants because- to. I hear you, Chuck, and I appreciate the call. Everybody wants to beat him. Like, there's no doubt. Like, everybody wants to beat him. But I don't understand why you can't – and if you if you feel the way Chuck feels, you're just wrong. Like, you're just wrong as an Eagles fan. And and I, I don't feel bad in saying that. I'm not incorrect in saying that. Like, you're just flat-out wrong if that's the way you feel about the Andy Reid era. If you, you feel like he gave us nothing, I just – I feel bad for you as a fan. I feel like how can you view it that way? Watching those teams and watching week in, week out, I mean, the success that they had, watching what they built, like, there's no Jeffrey Lurie as a successful owner without Andy Reid. There's literally no Howie Rosen without Andy Reid. Like, without 
Andy teaching Howie how, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of football, how to build a roster, you don't have what we have today. There's literally no Doug Peterson without Andy Reid. Andy nurtured Doug as a coach. Andy mentored Doug as a coach. If you can't understand that, if you don't appreciate it, then then that's on you, but I just don't know how you view it. Really quick, two uh, nuggets for you. Uh, actually, I'll give my dad a shout-out here uh, listening to the show. Uh, losing culture of the Eagles before Andy Reid from 61 uh, the year after the Eagles won the NFL championship to 1999 in Andy's first year. 38 years, 10 playoff appearances. Obviously, the Eagles have more than eclipsed that. Andy Reid and like the time since have had seven conference championships versus 10 playoff appearances in the 38 seasons there. And in Buddy Ryan's last game, I didn't even know this about Buddy, but it just adds to the Buddy Ryan you know, mantra that you believed our one caller had. Uh, in his final game, he benched Randall in a playoff game for Jim McMahon. <laughs> yeah, that would have been like Donovan benching, uh, but Don- how funny or is Andy it, benching Donovan. How funny is it that like the Buddy right. Ryan line of thinking, like bench Donovan, like he actually did that. Yeah. And then he got fired three days later. It's ridiculous. And it's like, this is what people, I guess, forget or don't understand. This organization was nothing before Andy got here. You're nothing. They're the ankle biters of this division. They were the joke of this division. The the, the Cowboys, the Giants, even Washington. They lo- used to look down at the Eagles. The Eagles used to be nothing. And then Andy came, and that all changed. The Eagles became perennial contenders. And I know they didn't win a Super Bowl. And if you want to judge it all by that, fine. But it's about more than that. It's about changing the mentality, changing the culture, becoming a winning organization. That happened because of Andy. Let's go to John in Franklinville. What's up, John? Hey, Tom. I'm at, uh, about Andy Reid. I'm actually with you. Even though he never won a Super Bowl before him, the Eagles, like, diehardy or Philly fan. But before Andy, we were a losing team. Always lost. And they, they weren't contenders, John. I mean, no championship games. I mean, I don't no, think since 1980. Yeah. But after Andy came, he at least gave everybody hope. Never won the Super Bowl. And I've been to all kinds of Eagles games. And I know I was one of the fans calling him every name under, under the sky. But, yes, you have to give credit where credit's due. He, I do believe he has the most wins out of any coach in Philly. And even though that he's never won the big game, and Andy, he did things that knew that was going to be controversy, like when he brought Michael Vick in after he got out of jail. Nobody liked that one. Mm-hmm. But he looked at people for what they were going to give him on the field instead of what they did. Yeah, and and I appreciate the call, John. I mean, they gave Mike Vick another chance, and that wasn't just Andy. I mean, that was Jeffrey Lurie. That was the organization. As far as on the field, I mean, Don, Andy got the most out of Michael Vick than anybody got out of him. And Michael Vick had the year he had in 2010 was incredible. Um, and, you know, he's, and that's another thing when you look at how this organization runs now and what Andy taught them is the fact you need, I mean, and it's not rocket science here, but you need good quarterback play. You need to constantly be bringing in quarterbacks. Remember, Michael Vick came here in 09 Eagles had Donovan McNabb. They had Kevin Cobb. Like, that wasn't a need at the time, but we mocked the quarterback factory, but what is something the Eagles have always done since Andy was here? They always have a pipeline of quarterbacks. They always prioritize that backup quarterback position. And what do you know? 
another link to the Super Bowl in 2017. Um, the Eagles thought it was pretty important to have a, a backup quarterback that could step in and have your starter go down and not ruin your season. And Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Back to everybody's calls when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Obviously talking a lot about Andy Reid tonight, his impact in Philadelphia. I'll continue talking about that. Um, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who nationally people are rooting for in this game. Um, you know, I don't think these are hated franchises. Uh, in either regard, both likable quarterbacks, likable teams. But, you know, obviously we want the Eagles to win. But another reason I want the Eagles to win is I, I, I'll i tell you who I find extremely dislikable, and they're not on the Chiefs, but and I like Patrick Mahomes, but his family is deeply dislikable. Like his brother and his wife seem like the two most insufferable people in the world. Well, the brother especially. I don't think anyone. The wife's pretty bad too. I mean, geez. is anyone out there a Jackson Mahomes fan? Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes. Brittany yeah. Mahomes, yeah. She was remember she she got in trouble last year for uh, showering all the people beneath her with champagne. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. allowed. Or well, she the, well she just like you don't you, you don't, don't do, do that. that. Yeah, typically. But yeah, he, his family's a little extra, which is kind of like annoying because he seems like a pretty genuinely nice guy. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Mahomes family though. Not a fan. So, of so you're rooting against the Mahomes family, well, not I, so much Patrick. I mean, himself. obviously, I'm I'm wondering if that affects nationally people who don't have a rooting interest in this game. I no, Probably I think just, from a national perspective, like if I wasn't a fan of one of these two teams, you just root for like a close competitive game. I don't know if you have a specific team that you're necessarily pulling for. Right. It doesn't seem like that kind of match. Doesn't seem like that. It's not. It's not a Brady or Belichick year. It's not. It's not like the Dallas Cowboys. Like it's too franchises that have been good and I don't think anyone has like national I mean there's some national hatred towards the Eagles just because we're like loud and obnoxious I guess but right so what I I don't think anyone's like rooting for the Chiefs because of that for the most part right so uh if you want to get in 215-592-9494 if you want to talk about the game we'll obviously talk uh more about the X's and O's coming up uh throughout the course of the week here but your feelings on it I feel pretty confident in the Eagles right now um, and it's because of it's because of the way they've dominated up front in the playoffs, the way they've dominated all year. I mean, this team is sixteen and one with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. We should feel confident, and I don't think it's overconfidence. I think it's warranted. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Go to Jim in Boston. What's up, Jim? Hey guys, listen, I'm just calling in, not necessarily to engage in an argument, but just to agree on the Andy Reid on the Andy Reid discussion. Like, guys, a goat. He has absolutely formed the team that we have become today. <clears throat> My only comment is, like, when we talk about the pre-Andy Reid era, um, we're ignoring a lot of wins in Reno coming in under a lot of different coaches, right? <clears throat> and to me, and, you know, Randall Cunningham brought me to this team. So I think that's an important thing to recognize. And I'll leave it to you guys. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, Jim, and I appreciate the call. And, yeah, I mean, the Eagles have had – some success before Andy, but the thing is they were never perennial contenders. Like, even with Randall and Randall Cunningham, I, I don't blame him. I mean, 
unfortunately, he had a dope for a head coach who didn't care about offense. Like, that would have helped if they had a go-to prioritize both sides of the ball. And again, like, this is something that really strikes a nerve personally with me. And I've talked about it a lot, and it's a segment of Eagles fans that, you know, because a lot of the same people that dislike Andy so strongly are the same ones that, like, idolize Buddy Ryan. And that just doesn't make sense to me. Like, that doesn't compute to me if, on one hand, it's all about winning championships. Andy didn't win championships, so he's he's a loser. He's nothing here. But on the other hand, Buddy Ryan, you idolize that era of Eagles football. They didn't win a playoff game. So, uh, you know, I don't really understand that that logic. And I think that's the way at least a segment of the fan base feels uh, toward both those guys. Let's go to Jim in the Northeast. What's up, Jim? Hey, how are you? Yes, I agree with you about Andy Reid. We are where we are today because of him. And does Chuck and John understand how many coaches in the history of football has won more than one one Super Bowl or any? I mean, there's a few or teams like the Steelers, five, what was New England, one, seven, whatever. But how many coaches, great coaches, won one even? And uh, and won more than one. Like, for instance, how many did John uh, John Madden win? Yeah, not I mean, many, Jim. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I love how now it's – and I think this is part of people being a little jaded that the Eagles have won one and they're back in another one. Yes, and But winning the Super Bowl right, is not easy to do. Right, and we might be getting spoiled because now we can win our second one. But we don't look at Andy Reid. Because of Andy Reid, we're it, we're going to maybe be in our second Super Bowl. And how many coaches around football has he groomed? People forget about that. That that's another thing, Jim. I mean, you look at his impact on the league. I mean, yeah. it's it's insane. I mean, the coaches from his coaching tree, whether it's you know McDermott or Doug, and and we could go on for for right. for forever right. here, naming the coaches. But it's incredible. Oh, right. Okay. Take, take coaches like. Don Shula, how many Super Bowls did he win? Okay, what, won one, I think, or whatever. How many did um, uh, Madden win? I think he won none. He was a great coach, right? Uh, uh, Like Chuck Knowles, yes, he won some. Bill Cowher. But you could count them on just about, what, one hand. So, and Andy Reid's a Hall of Famer, and how many coaches before him and the Eagles are going to go to the Hall of Fame? Okay, so, I mean, it's just a hatred. I don't understand why they hate him. And I, well, they say, well, he he wasn't talkative. He didn't want to answer questions. Who gives a damn? He, look, he he was a winner, and they're just and now John and Chuck are never getting spoiled because we might win our second one. And what happens if if Sirianni goes into a streak for a couple of years where we don't win? Will they say they should boot him out of town even if he wins one? Well, so, yeah, you well, know, anyway. Yeah, no, I hear you, Jim, and I appreciate the call. And, yeah, I mean, it's cyclical, and, and it was time for Doug to go. I mean, Doug won one, but, hey, the Eagles, they Jeffrey Lurie and Howie, they made the right decision, obviously. They knew they needed to make a change. They made a change. Just because you win one doesn't guarantee you a job forever or anything like that. But, I mean, what Andy accomplished here was significant, and it wasn't just the years he was here. Like, it's everything since then as well that I think he's had a significant impact on. And that's why it strikes such a nerve with me when people refuse to acknowledge that and refuse to appreciate it. Like, that's what bothers me so much. If you 
are one of these people who just thinks, you know, it's all about Super Bowls, then then fine. But it's the it's the disrespect. It's that he did nothing for us. You know, it's it's the idea that he sabotaged all these teams and that he did blow it single handedly in these moments. No. That team, they they those teams won as a team. They lost as a team. They were great teams that didn't win a Super Bowl. They're not the only ones. There are a lot of great teams that don't win Super Bowls. I mean, look at the last few years. I, I think you look at a team like the 49ers now. They're in a very similar situation. Like, I think that's a tremendous team. I think Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. I mean, have they won in the big spots? No. I mean, they've gotten two championship games the last two years, lost them, lost the Super Bowl to Andy in Super in uh, Super Bowl 54. You know, there are a lot of great teams that get close but don't win at all. That doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means it's really damn hard to finish the job. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Get to everybody when we return uh, and reset the table on the things we're talking about tonight. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Turn things over to Ricky Ricardo tonight at 2 a.m. Ricky will come to you. Where, where is Ricky at right now? It's always a game we like to play at WIP. Where is Ricky at right now? Is he at his home in Florida tonight, Dan? R- or is he in Ricardo, Arizona? No, Ricky Ricardo is at his home uh, in Florida for tonight's show. He Last I spoke to him, the plan is he will be taking off from Orlando International Airport to Phoenix on Thursday. And I know we're going to have to get this – uh, to this in the crossover, his plan is to return to Fly Day in the wee hours of Monday morning. Is a flight scheduled for late Sunday night after the game if he makes it? I certainly have some skepticism that he will make it. We'll, we'll break that all down in the crossover. He's got no chance, okay? And I'll talk to Ricky. You know, I was uh, I was out there for for the Week Five game. The area around that stadium is a mess. I mean, it's a complete mess, Ricky. You gotta you gotta do your do your research here. I mean, there but it's a cool area. Like there are a bunch of bars, bunch of restaurants, bunch of things to do. But we went after the game, me and my friends, game ends. We went we watched an entire Mets Padres playoff game before we could get an Uber out of there. That's how long it took. We watched this entire game, watched the Mets get eliminated from the playoffs before we could get an Uber out of that area. He has a flight like two hours after the game ends. He's and th- by got the way, no chance. The airport's in Phoenix. The stadium's in Glendale. It's like 40 minutes away. Yeah, I don't know why he doesn't just try and go out Monday morning. Again, we'll break this all down yes. uh, during the crossover. Yes, but Ricky Ricardo will be boots on the ground calling the game uh, for the Eagles Spanish radio call uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, he takes off on Thursday. So, tonight's show from his residence in Florida. All right, so we'll talk to Rick a little later on, hand things off to him. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. But, uh, you know, talking about the game Sunday and whether we're underestimating Patrick Mahomes, I mean, uh, a lot of confidence. And I think Eagles fans should be confident. I feel really good about this game. It's almost disconcerting how good I feel about this game. Um, But, you know, are we underrating Patrick Mahomes a little bit? Because this guy's really damn good, and we've seen him will himself and will that team to win games in the past you know are are we underrating him a little bit he's the best quarterback in football he I think he's the best player in football might you know be the best player of this generation certainly since he came into the league I think he's been the most valuable player in football 
And, you know, are we underrating him a little bit? Talking about that and the other big topic tonight we've been talking about all night, the legacy of Andy Reid. And do you appreciate Andy Reid? And do you view his tenure here as a success? I do. Uh, and I know this team didn't win a Super Bowl. I know those seasons ended most years with disappointment. 01 to 04, you lose in the championship game three of those four years. You go to the Super Bowl in 04, you get that close, you lose the Super Bowl. Donovan has a bad game, throws four picks, you lose that game. 06, divisional round, lost in New Orleans. 08, this is another one that really hurts. You, you get to the NFC Championship game against Arizona. It feels like this is finally your year, like a, a year of destiny. Uh, you beat the Cardinals four or weeks earlier by four touchdowns. You lose that game. You know, you lose in 2010 a game to the Packers, a team that goes on to win the Super Bowl. It was a very winnable game. Michael Vick throws a pick uh, at the end, and the Eagles lose that one. All those seasons end in disappointment, but I don't think you can discount what Andy left behind. And last Friday night, I had Ray Didinger on the show. Ray was uh, nice enough to join me. And I asked Ray about Andy and, you know, the legacy that he's left behind and whether you can still see the uh, effect of Andy in Philadelphia even on this team today. You know, Ron Jaworski and I were talking about it last Sunday um, after the after the Eagles championship game and uh, when it became pretty obvious it was going to be – you had a real good chance here of it being Eagles-Chiefs. We were, we were Aunt Ron and I talked about Andy a lot. Not not even on camera. We were just sort of off camera talking. And Ron made, Ron made the point, and what he said, his exact words were, you know, Andy's hand, Andy's fingerprints are all over this team, um, and he's right, they are. And I think most people kind of realize that. They don't, I don't think they think about it a lot, but if you if you really did think about it, you'd realize it was because his um, his philosophy, his basic philosophy. Um, that he that he brought to this organization and really instilled in this organization um, was we're going to build at the line of scrimmage. You know we're going to build we're going to build on the offensive line. We're going to build on the defensive line. You know we're going to win in the trenches. I mean that was Andy's philosophy. Andy being an old lineman himself, he really thought that's you, know, you need you need a quarterback. You need playmakers. Yeah, that's for sure. But you're not going to win big if you can't win at the line of scrimmage. And so that was how he built his teams. Uh, and and that was the lesson that was learned by the organization. It was a lesson that was learned by Howie, Howie Roseman, you know, sitting in all the meeting rooms and sitting in the drafts with, with Andy, watching him, you know, watching him build those lines. How he applies the same philosophy, and he, and he talks about it a lot. And to his credit, I mean, he talks about Andy. You know, you know, when Andy was when Andy was here, we this is how we did things, and look at look at our record, look at how we won. I mean, four straight championship games. Um, and it's it's it. Listen, it's a very sound philosophy. But Andy was the one that really taught this organization how to build. They taught this organization how to practice. He taught them how to train. Uh, and a lot of that, you know, a lot, you know, he was here for 14 years. So a lot of that, he he kind of baked into the whole organization. And even though he left, it remained. And you know, his next coach was Doug Peterson. It was his guy. Uh, and so all of that stuff carried on. And I think it's carrying on now. So. And I think most of the fans realize that and appreciate that. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to be rooting for Andy next Sunday. That, that, that ain't going to happen. Right. But I think everybody at this point has, uh, looks at what Andy Reid did here and said, you know, it's, he was a great coach. And the people here from this organization learned a lot from him. And the fact that uh, his way of doing things 
is still going on is probably a very healthy thing for this organization. And, you know, that that's the way I see it as well, is that Andy taught this organization and the, the decision makers in this organization, whether it's Howie, whether it's Lori, you wonder why the Eagles, one of the traits about this organization, even after Andy, why are they so good at hiring coaches? It's because they know what to look for in a coach. Like, Andy showed them what things, what characteristics you're looking for in a coach. Even a guy like Chip, I mean – yeah, it went bad in the end. Chip was a good hire in the short term. Like, the first two years of Chip, double-digit wins both those seasons. Obviously, Doug was a good hire. You go to the playoffs three out of the first four years, you win a Super Bowl year two. Nick Sirianni, who nobody even interviewed aside from the Eagles. And, you know, as people have interviewed, as have mocked the Eagles' interview process, why are they interviewing people for, for six, seven, eight hours? Well, this is why. <laughs> like, you vet them. You, 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 you try to understand what they're going to look like as a leader of a team. And a lot of the traits that the Eagles are looking for are a lot of the things that I'm sure Jeffrey Lurie saw in young Andy Reid back in 1999. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, 215-592-9494. Let's go to John in Delaware. What's up, John? Hey, how are you doing tonight? Good, how are you? Good, good. I've been uh, listening to you guys extensively and – you know, listen to a lot of people and the different things they said about Andy Reid. Now, I, I'm in my 50s, late 50s, so I've been watching football, Philadelphia football for a long time, been a fan since I was a little kid. I can say when Andy Reid came in and laid upon the foundation of what was laid before him, it was pretty much mostly positive. Like in 2001, he was named Executive Vice President of Football Operations so apparently he was teaching them something and, you know, became a class act. Now, over the course of his time here, you know, I know, you know, with the 213, 214 games he, you know, coached, he won 130, lost 93, and tied and won. You know, probably after the 2004 season, once we went to the Super Bowl and lost, it probably was time then he probably should have rolled. But to go back further – before any major coaching experience Andy had, he was assistant, and he spent a lot of time. He spent time in Green Bay. So, you know, he learned here on the fly. And then the other things, like, you know, he had family and the different things he had to deal with his family, the tragedy of his son. So I think he wore a lot of hats in a, in a short period of time. And the people, uh, as you know, us being demanding fans, you have a lot of expectations. So, you know, with that flatlining out, in that time in 2004, that probably should have been the time after that season he should have gone on. Yeah, John, I would say there was yeah. certainly, you know, a significant drop-off after 2004. Yeah. I mean, they were never they, – they weren't the same kind of dominant force within the division again. And right. one, of the, one of the crazy things is, I mean, even since the Eagles won in 03 and 04, nobody's right. won the division back-to-back years since then. So, right. I mean, it was kind of spotty after that, I'll agree. But even like 06 through 10, I mean – they made the playoffs four out of those five years. I mean, they made the yes. championship game in 08. I would say, if anything, yeah. they, they should have made the change certainly a year earlier. Like, after 2011, right. didn't right. go well. They should have made the change that year. Keeping Andy around for right. 2012, that was that was the mistake. Then I, then I also just want to go, like, with this past, present, and future. You know, Andy being our past, our present. You know, where we stand now with Coach Sirianni, I think people don't give Coach Sirianni enough credit on, the, you know, how smart he is, how, how he looks and manages a game. 
what he schemes in his games, you know, what he builds. Now, I'll say maybe outside of the inconsistency of the run game, uh, just the things he's done in the last two games as in to protect Jalen and, you know, you know, letting him nurse that shoulder, he has shown some specific schemes that most teams won't be able to figure out. And then even this team being a lot more balanced to me, defense and offense-wise, this team to me is a combination of what some of 17 lacked. And that offensive explosiveness that 17 had, this team has it all. Yeah, no, no doubt, John. Uh, yeah, man, I appreciate the call. Yeah, this team's loaded. I mean, they're absolutely loaded, and that's what, like. And I was talking about this uh, a little bit yesterday. The difference between this team and the 2017 team, because I don't, I don't think they're really comparable. Like, it's weird because I feel like the confidence level. I feel like we we had confidence going into 2017, but it was a, it, into Super Bowl 52 rather. But it was a different kind of confidence, like. You knew the Patriots were probably the better team, but it felt like there was a, a a magical force on the Eagles' side that year. It felt like a destiny type thing. I feel like, and I want to know if you agree with this, Dan. A similar kind of confidence, but this time it's it's nothing to do with destiny. It's just like no, the Eagles are just better. Like the Eagles are the better team. That's why they're going to win this game. It's funny. I think the difference between this Super Bowl and five years ago, and again, I know this has been discussed. Before I think these like the view way I view these games are entirely different. Five years ago, it felt like a Hollywood movie script. Yes, there was confidence because it felt like we were invincible. But I think that was like our everyone's heart talking. Like I don't think logically X's and O's. Most people outside of Philadelphia truly believed the Eagles would pull that kind of run off. I think there was a lot of you know fan driven analysis there that of course ended up coming true. But no one in their right mind believes that, especially. Tom Brady throwing for over 500 yards in a game that was 41 to 33. We're talking earlier about the Eagles winning a possible shootout against Mahomes. Who thought Nick Foles would win a shootout with Tom Brady? I mean, seriously, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense logically. This time around, the Eagles are the favorites. They're not. They're not wearing underdog masks. We know what a Super Bowl win would mean to the city. We've seen it happen before. It's not. You're not going to see the same kind of stuff post game if they win. Of you know, I was watching with my dad and my grandpa and this generational, you know, lineup of fans who have never seen it happen. No, like everyone who, for the most part, everyone watching this coming Sunday remembers five years ago and knows what this would mean. This is like kind of a transition to like there's an expectation outside of Philadelphia they would win. They're establishing themselves as one of the best teams in the sport over the last decade, over this century, if they win, because only a handful of teams have done it. I think it's entirely different. Get, like, used to being, like, it's, in one case they're David, in one case they're Goliath in a sense. Like, get used to being the favorite and get used to having expectation of winning, not trying to come from behind. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's certainly a a level of confidence that's similar, but it's different kind of confidence. Like last time it did, because I I was confident going in that game. I did think the Eagles are going to win that game, but this time it's just like, yeah, you just feel like they're better and we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I do feel like the Eagles are the better team and they have the advantage in a lot of areas here. Let's go to Stephen Egg Harbor. What's up, Steve? Yeah. How you doing? I've been listening. I'll tell you, man, (laughs) we're supposed to be some of the most intelligent sports fans in the country. Well, tonight's proven otherwise, in my opinion, I mean, let's go over Andy Reid. Since 1998, when he took over a three-win three team, he's been to 10 conference championships in 25 years. It's 40%. Wild. There's only one coach 
It's been to Moore, and that's Belichick. And he had the greatest quarterback of all time, okay? Number two, he's been to four Super Bowls, 16% in the last 25 years. I don't think anybody's been there more than him except Bill Belichick. And if you really want to make an analogy with uh, Andy Reid, let's go back to 1975 when a man from UCLA came here from the College of UCLA, Dick Vermeil, and took over the same kind of three-win team and took us to the Super Bowl and lost also. Okay, has anybody ever put down Dick Vermeil for what he accomplished? No. And he, as good as he was, he has not accomplished what Andy Reid has. We've been to seven NFC Championship games since Andy Reid got here. Nobody's been to any any more than we have, which makes us probably the top organization in the NFC in the last twenty five years. And Andy Reid has had a lot to do with that. Steve, it's it's bizarre because you look back, and I always bring up Buddy, but I think Vermeil is is maybe even a better comparison Buddy. because nobody has a bad word to say about Dick Vermeil. And I mean, they they took over. I would say similar situations. I know the situation with ownership was worse when Vermeil took it over. But Jeffrey Lurie, let's face it, we had no clue what kind of owner he was going to be when he hired Andy Reid. And, and I don't think Jeffrey Lurie ends up necessarily being this great owner if he doesn't make that that correct hire. Exactly right. And, and, and like you said, and we talked about, me and you talked about this last week when I said, you know, the groundwork that he laid from the offensive and defensive lines is still here today. You still see it. And everybody's talked about it. Like he was, you know, how he was back there. As everybody knows, as an intern, blah, blah, blah. And, and look what he's learned through Banner and Reed. And a lot of people don't give Banner the credit that he deserved, I think, back in the day. Because that guy was a stoic individual that nobody really liked. Um but the one thing I can say about, and, I, and I'm a big Dick Vermeil fan, and, I, and I'll never, I'll never forget what uh, the Gridiron Bozo said, Lombardi, uh, who I, I just can't stand. I, he said that when Dick Vermeil got nominated to the uh, to the Hall of Fame, that it was uh, a celebration of mediocrity. That guy, Dick Vermeil, took over three teams, three garbage teams and took them places that they've never been to. Now, obviously, Kansas City now with Andy Reid has gone there. But he took St. Louis when they were a crappy team to the Super Bowl. And that guy won the Super Bowl. And, and Lombardi said it was a celebration of mediocrity when he got to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I'm sorry, man. Dick Vermeil is not mediocre. That guy is a great football coach who took three trashy organizations at the time and turned them into winners. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and like I said, Andy Reid, come on, man. I mean, anybody you can't celebrate what this man did to us, everybody says, oh, what did he give us? Well, what Andy Reid gave us was our respectability back as an organization when he took over because we were a downtrodden team at the time when he took over. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, Steve, and I appreciate the call. And I would say – didn't even just give the respectability back, gave them respectability to begin with. I mean, it's been it, it had been over two de- two decades since that team was in a championship game before Andy got here. And I mean, it, it just changed the complexion of everything. And I think it's we look back now, and, and now Andy's looked at as the lovable players coach. It was not that way when Andy got here. I mean, you will hear stories about him in 99 and, you know, I've heard Ike tell them and and some of the other guys from those teams uh, that those camps in in Andy's first years were were brutal. I mean, they were grueling because he felt like he needed to change the culture here. Like, he felt like he needed to bring a winning attitude. And Andy came from a winning organization. I mean, he came from Green Bay where – 
they had obviously accomplished a lot, that Brett Favre era, and they won the Super Bowl in, I guess, 96, lost it in 97 to the Broncos, and, and that's where Andy came from. And, you know, I think he really did bring that attitude to Philadelphia with him. Uh, let's go to Chris in South Philly. What's up, Chris? Hi, how you doing? Good, how are um, you? Good. I, I, I'd like to suggest that maybe the reason that uh, Andy Reid brought in the six- to eight-hour interview is that somebody told him that he had three minutes for it and, uh, you know, clock management. But, uh, oh, yeah, man. Andy Reid is the Doc Rivers of football. He, uh, he'll make the Hall of Fame, but it's, it's not a wonderful record. And I find, the, I find the framing of success here to be bizarre. He makes 10 conference championships. He w- loses, what, seven of them? Uh, and and it's, not, it's not really getting that far. In a 14-year span, there's 16 teams in the conference. If you're just average, you should probably make the Super Bowl to represent your conference one time. Well, no, and, no, and, Chris, 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 Chris. No, no, let's talk it about math it and let's talk no, about framing. No, this but is it why doesn't casinos work. exist. It doesn't work that way. I mean, you're, no, you're going to have organizations who are going to be away, on top. Like Some organizations away, are better than others. If you take away Andy Reid, if you take away Andy Reid in that 14 years, this is what we know for a fact. Andy Reid was here for 14 years. It was a mess when he came. It was a mess when he left. We're overlooking that. So there's a good 16, 17-year span there where we know for a fact that the Eagles won zero championships in that time. Well, Chris, Any couldn't other it... array of coach and players and structure and organization that came in, in absolute terms, would have given us a better chance than the 0% chance that we had in the actual history of what happened when Andy Reid here. Chris, that's an, that's an absurd way to look at it. No, it it's isn't. absurd. That's, no, this is why casinos make money from a lot of your callers, because they don't understand how to frame a problem. They don't understand how to so frame a problem. So how do you explain an organization like this? How do you explain an organization like... 20 years... Chris, how do you explain an organization like the Detroit Lions who don't win playoff games? How do you explain an organization like that? There are, out, there are outliers on the bell curve, and making, making one Super Bowl in 14 years and losing places you at the middle to the bad end of the bell curve. It does not make you, it does <laughs> not make you great. Losing four out of five championship games doesn't make you great. Scoring three points at home in a championship game does not make you an offensive genius. And it's it's difficult to like an arrogant winner like Belichick. It's impossible to like an arrogant loser like Andy Reid or Doc Rivers, who has contempt for both the media and the fan base while they lose year after year. While telling how do, you what Chris, how does Andy Reid have contempt for the fan base? I'm curious how do you um, define it. A refusal a refusal to throw to play. players under labor, the bus. It was a labor for him to do part of his job, which is to speak to no, the media. No, Chris, what you sentences. what you wanted, what you wanted was Andy to come out and throw players under the bus. I'm sorry if no, it didn't no, appease no, you that he wouldn't do that. Get a, get well, what a did, lion what, and a girl from Kansas and a tin man if you're going to come out what with did a you want him to say? argument for What me. did you want him to say in these press Don't numbers. put words in my mouth. What, what I want Andy to read to do is to not have contempt for the fact that part of his job is to not say, I got to do a better job, got to put people in better positions, having not learned anything year after year. What did you want him to say then? What did you want him to say? Well, well, one thing I would like to point out is if you have a fan base, I'm in my 50s, so I lived through all of these years. I was was there for the Tampa game in the freezing weather at the last game of the vet. That was not fun times. Oh, I'm so sorry. Not good times. But if... If you have a fan base that went 20 years 
without being in a championship game for somebody to come in when the team had three wins and leave with four, by the way, four wins, and have 14 years in the middle where you get to the Super Bowl once and you lose because, among other things, you have no plan, no clock management. But that's 34 years of not winning. You can't expect people to be happy about that. And on top of that, to be happy about somebody who had a sourpuss on his face and had contempt for answering basic questions like a human being uh, while he lost. Well, Chris, I'll ask you for the, for, for the 10th time, what did you want him to say? Seriously, just give me an answer. I would like like him to have given full and correct answers to the reasonable media questions that he was asked as opposed to single-sentence canned or not even full-thought canned answers like, go do a better job, put him in a better position, and then then the arrogant times yours when he when his highness was finished it's the, speaking it's just that the, was that was contempt for everybody who no, was paying Chris, salary. that that's how you perceived contempt. it it's i mean i appreciate the call the, like i just i i can't first of all the whole you know oh well you know four championship games in a row or one super bowl in 14 years that's i mean that's easy you should be able to do that it's like what are you talking about i mean there are a lot of teams that aren't nearly that successful and the press conference thing is it? It's just the dumbest thing in the world. Like I can tell you, listening to these press conferences week in week out, nobody says anything interesting. Like like. Well, Bill Belichick's I, known for having. Oh yeah, because Bill yeah Bill Belichick. I mean that's why he's a winner, Dan. I mean because he gives so much during his press conferences. I mean if you think Andy Reid is disrespectful in press conferences, go I listen, listen to Bill to, Belichick. Yeah, go listen to Bill Belichick. Go listen to one of those press conferences. I mean, Nick Sirianni says a lot of words. Nick Sirianni really doesn't give any more insightful answers than Andy Reid does. He doesn't. Not he give, Doug. It, well, a, you have to get him on a passion topic. Like, if you ask him to start breaking down, like, receiver routes, he might draw a full diagram I mean, for he'll you. talk about Mount Union. He'll talk about Larry Karras. It's not really helping me much. Like, no, <laughs> but, he, but he likes to talk about things he likes to talk about. Andy Reid didn't like to talk about it much. But, again, who cares? Yeah. Like, I mean— your personality is what your personality is. You can't force that. And what people need to understand is what Andy did was protect his players. Like, that was the reason why he did that, and the players appreciated it. He wasn't going to go out to the media. He wasn't going to give people their pound of flesh like they wanted ever. Like, Andy could have come out after the Super Bowl and said, yeah, Donovan sucked. That's why we lost the game. And he wouldn't have been wrong. Like, he would have been right in that instance. And I'm a huge Donovan fan. Donovan was awful in the Super Bowl. It's why the Eagles lost that game. But he didn't do that. And that's also a big part of the reason why he didn't lose his locker room. And as for, uh, for one last thing, Chris said that I need to refute, that he left them in such a, a, a spot of disrepair after 2012. I think if the team was really in that bad of a spot, I don't think they would have won 10 games the next season under Chip. And when you look at a lot of the guys that Andy had drafted, when he left, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, a lot of the guys, some of those guys still on the team now, a lot of them were on the 2017 team, so I don't think the roster was in nearly that bad a shape uh, when he left here. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly uh, with you for another segment here. Before we turn things over to Ricky, we'll get through as many calls as we can in the next segment. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another segment here for, before we turn things over to Ricky Ricardo. But um, before we go back to the phones, Dan, I did want to ask you, 
Did you see what now Tom Brady officially retired? Did you see what would again? He, yeah. What's he doing now? Is he like starting an OnlyFans account or something? He posted some picture on on social media of him sitting on a bed in just his underwear. Do you see this picture? I, I no, actually, I okay. haven't. I mean, I right. know what OnlyFans is, and I know he his social media presence is a little off the rails sometimes. By the way, did you see what sold on eBay? No. Okay, someone I guess recognized where I believe it was in Miami Beach. He recorded the retirement video. Someone recognized like the building he did it in front of and was able to like oh, pinpoint no. the spot where he did the retirement. Someone sold a jar of sand from the video for a hundred thousand dollars on eBay. Oh my god! People someone are buying. Pay a hundred. Someone bought sand from the video. That's bizarre. I don't even know how you verify, like. The person took a photo from where they went, so they clearly knew where it was. How do you even know that it's real sand from the video? Right. And even if it is, it's sand. I mean, I'm going to go to the Jersey Shore and get some sand and see if I can sell it for $100,000. See if you can sell it for $100,000. That's not Miami Beach sand, but, uh, you know. What's the difference? I mean, does it look different? I mean, Ricky will probably tell us in the next segment if it looks different. I don't know. I guess sand at the Jersey Shore doesn't get as much sun, but I, I, I think you could get that sand from anywhere in Miami Beach, and I don't know that anyone would ever know. I what wasn't exactly paying attention to the sand in his retirement video. Yeah, I wouldn't pay two cents for it, let alone a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, but he posted he posted a weird picture, and people were speculating. You know, because everybody doesn't. You know, you, whenever Tom Brady posts anything, it's like, what does it mean? And you know, just a weird picture. Is he going to just step in on Fox next year? Like, is this Super Bowl on Sunday Greg Olson's final game? No, this was brought up, um, and I actually had a, a cut about this, but. Uh, yeah, it looks like he's going to it looks like he is going to take a year off to study and then he will uh take over in 2024. Will Tony Romo be attending these uh studying sessions or uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember when Romo was in that shed on like a Thursday night and they had him like secretly uh mock calling a game in like a shed the Hall of Fame game it was. Yeah, because they had Nance, to try yeah. him out. But n- and now CBS has to have an intervention because he does no homework. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, Brady's going to study up this year, and then it looks like he'll jump in in 2024. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Robert in Texas. What's up, Robert? Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good, how are you? I'm actually in Phoenix. I went to the opening night today. Oh, nice. How was it? It was really cool. Um, you know, and, and it's funny that we're talking about Andy Reid because off camera, I noticed uh, something that uh, me and a Chiefs fan uh, both it caught both of our attention was the amount of respect the uh, players have for Andy Reid on the Eagles side, um, especially the ones that played under him. Um, and we both came to the agreement that Andy Reid turned both organizations around. And, you know, it wasn't pretty. Yes, I get it. We didn't win the big one. But, you know, as a fan, a long-time fan, I remember for a long time, we were pretty much a joke. I mean, sometimes we had it, but, you know, and they didn't have it at the same time, you know. Um, and when Andy Reid came in, Andy Reid came in we, we became an, a legitimate uh, organization that, you know, that, that competed. And for those time, for that, you know, that, that era, we were spoiled. We were just assuming we, we were going to go to NFC championships every year. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, Robert. And yeah, I think you make a good point about both organizations because for as much as he turned around the Eagles, I mean, the the Chiefs were, I believe, one in fifteen or two in fourteen the year before he got there. Immediately took them to the playoffs, and um, I think I might be mistaken, but I think they've gone to the playoffs every year since Andy's been there. They might have missed. They might have missed in two thousand fourteen. I think actually. 
Yeah, and and the Chiefs fans said, you know, we were a mess before Redon. We had that unfortunate, they had that unfortunate incident with a player uh, mm-hmm. committing suicide. I mean, it was just what could go wrong, uh, would go wrong in Kansas City before Andy Reid got there. Um, and I feel he did the same with us. And I wish he would have, you know, he would have won one with us. And I, and I still think that my, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, we could blame McNabb on the on the Super Bowl, but. You know, I also I'll always go down believing that there was a little bit of cheating from the Patriots side, but that's another whole different conversation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, I want to uh, you know I want to beat Reed this this Super Bowl, but you know the respect there and 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 the player side, we saw it off camera. I mean, they 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 embraced them and and both Eagles fans in in attendance and and uh, Chiefs fans both uh, cheer on Big Red. So. Um, I think there's a few callers that you know that are a little loud, but I think that for the most part, most fans do respect Andy Reid. Yeah, and, and as they should, and I appreciate it, Robert. And I do think most fans do. I think it's a vocal minority, but it's a very mo- annoying minority. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, and again, like you're entitled to your opinion, but if you don't appreciate Andy, I just I I feel bad for you as a sports fan. I feel like you know you're you're missing out on on a great era of football. Let's go to Patrick in California. What's up, Patrick? Hey, TK. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, uh, good. Uh, I'm another uh, caller, late 50s. I've uh, been season ticket holder for 38 years. Uh, my first year was uh, 85 with the Swamp Fox. So mm-hmm. I've seen the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, I think Andy Reid was a really good coach with the Eagles. He's become a great coach with Kansas City. Uh learning the lessons that uh, the bonehead mistakes he made with the Eagles, uh, my bone of contention, and I think uh, other callers touched on it, was the home losses in the championship games that I lay squarely on Andy Reid's feet for not being prepared. He lost to the Carolina Panthers, John Fox, the head coach, and Jake DeLome, as the quarterback, are you kidding me, Derek they or Pat, Patrick? Game, I, I would to three. They should have. Well, that was a bad loss. There's no doubt. But you cannot ignore the fact that Brian Westbrook was out for that game. And I'm not saying that the Eagles couldn't have done things differently to mitigate that loss. But Donovan was banged up. They didn't have Westbrook. And when you look at that season, Westbrook was the key to that whole offense. I mean, when they lost Westbrook, they really had very little offensively. They lost fourteen to three to the Carolina Panthers know. at home, favored in the game, Jake DeLome and John Fox. And let's get to the Tampa Bay game. Yeah, I lay that on because he cut um, – uh, who's the linebacker? He just slipped my, my Trotter. mind. Uh, Trotter. Because he refused to pay Trotter, and that was an Achilles but heel. Patrick, Patrick. All, and I still see uh, Jarrell Vicious running towards me I, uh, Patrick, in the 600 level. Trotter wanted Trotter an insane contract that only a bad organization in Washington gave him. And you know what happened after two years? They cut him and he came back. Like, the Eagles yes, would have been nuts yes. to give Trotter what he was asking for at that point. I I, I, I don't agree. And how about uh, – Reed was a hardhead. That's what got me. He was very good, but when you're very good and you make bonehead mistakes, they stand out. He re- – Refused to sign a wide receiver for Donovan McNabb. Refused. Everyone in the stadium knew that's what we needed for years, and refused uh, I, I, to, Patrick, to do that. And I appreciate your call. You don't think Andy would have wanted a receiver? Like, there's a salary cap you're dealing with. The Eagles did. Like, I, I just this idea that oh, Andy didn't want a receiver. Why would why would he not want a receiver? 
Like, you have salary cap constraints you need to deal with. Joe Banner didn't get the receiver. The Eagles, yeah, I wish they had a better receiver in 0-3-2. Wish they had better receivers in, in 0-2 as well. Um, but that that was a roster issue, you know, that, that certainly hurt them. But again, like, how much can we just lay this squarely at the feet of Andy Reid? I mean, the team wasn't good enough. Like, they had a glaring haul. They filled it. Unfortunately, they didn't win in 0-4. But I don't think that tarnishes the era. Like, I don't think that tarnishes the fact that what he did here was extremely important and it laid the foundation for what the Eagles accomplished since then. Uh, when we get back here, that'll do it. Uh, when we get back, we'll wrap things up. We'll talk to Ricky Ricardo as well. Turn things over to Ricky. Got you for the overnight. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly wrapping up the show tonight. Fun show tonight. Uh, looking back at the uh, legacy of Andy Reid, now we'll look ahead. Obviously, Super Bowl 57 this week. I'll be in overnight tomorrow night, but tonight, Ricky Ricardo with you on the overnight. Ricky, how what's going that? on? How about that, huh? Yeah, how about that? Yeah, I leave for Arizona tomorrow. You know, I was thinking about this last night on my, on the show I did last night. I brought it up. The whole thing, with, I, I'm convinced that Andy Reid wants to win this game. I, I think the human element in this, this game is the one he wants more than anything else in his career. And I, I was listening to some people today on NFL Network, a couple of other shows from Radio Row. There is scuttlebutt, Tom. Scuttlebutt. That's you a know, good. I like that word, by the way. Yeah, rumor, scuttlebutt, that uh, this could be, could be. Let's say Andy wins this game, right? And we don't obviously we don't want that. But if Andy Reid wins this game, then he could turn around and retire. What do you think? I I, I think that's interesting. I don't think he is going to though. I, I don't think Andy's a football guy. I'd find it hard to, to see him turn what, around and retire. How old is Andy? Andy we figured what, what is 64, he? 64, I believe. 64? Yeah, so he's getting up there. Yeah, yeah he's in his mid-60s. This Tom. would be, I mean, and for him, I mean, to beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl, this would be the perfect ending to his Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, this is a Hollywood ending. But, but uh, Ricky, I'm just looking at it from Andy's perspective, though. I mean, you are, are already a great coach. You want to win more. You have the best quarterback in football. Like, how can you walk away from, from a decade of Patrick Mahomes? Look, it, all logic says that he he's got all the elements and he's got a great franchise. The, the the Hunt family gives him whatever he wants. The general manager there is you know basically at at his beck and call. He's got Mahomes, who's still you know relatively young man. Uh, so yeah, everything's in front of him. But you just said it, Tom. How about going out with your second Super Bowl win? And having it be against the team that gave you your break, the team that you spent, you know, 14 years with, we, we know the story. And then at the same time, you know, Eric Bieniemy has not had a chance. And, you know, maybe Andy looks at it maybe the way that Bruce Arians did, uh, you know, and kind of passes the torch. I'm leaning towards he comes back, but I, I think it'd be very, very tempting for a guy like Andy Reid who's been through a hell of a lot. We know what happened with this with his son here. I mean, it's been an emotional roller coaster with Andy Reid. Would it shock you? 
It, it wouldn't. It certainly wouldn't shock me. And I'll agree with you on this, Ricky. Like, mm-hmm. I think you're you're absolutely right in terms of how bad Andy wants this game, and he yeah. won't admit it, and he doesn't want to make himself the story. No, but you know, all for fires, all the stuff the and all the criticism burning. and and oh, yeah. the stuff that he faced here, I do think he holds this city in in like I do think this city has a place in his heart. But there's no doubt he wants to win this game badly. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a fire burning inside that man. I was watching some of this preview, uh, whatever they call this show tonight, uh, yeah, what, opening night. night, whatever. Yeah, opening night. Yeah, the opening night, and uh, you, you can you can tell, you can read right through him. He wants this thing so bad, but that's not the story of the night on this program tonight. What well, uh, what, do you, what do you got going on tonight? Uh, What's no, your no, big no. story tonight, tonight? The 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 headline, Tom. What where you been? What is it? What is the big headline tonight? Sam Coonrod got uh, picked up by the Mets. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Wow. What are, what are we going to do without Sam, <laughs> a, a leader in the clubhouse, well, I'm Philly's sure. bullpen takes a, takes a big hit tonight. Yeah. Were you Sam bummed Coonrod. about them losing Coonrod? We, we, you know, picked up off waivers. Or, you know, remember they, they took him off the 40. Who was it? Who did they take him off the 44, Buzz? I have no, yeah, I have no idea. I'll have they, to look into that. Was Painter? Is Painter on the roster now? I don't know. Was who the, the last guy they just brought in last week, and they had to put Coonrod, uh, you know, take him off the forty. Oh, Josh but, Harrison. It, there you go for Josh Harrison. Okay. So they exposed him off the forty, and he was picked up by the New York Mets. Wow, what are you going to do? I mean, I this, mean, bull, this yeah. is. This is a, a bullpen that's getting stronger. You know, they're they're looking all right this yeah. year. Forget nice the football pickups. game. Yeah. That, that football game in Arizona. Coonrod picked yeah. up by the Mets. Well, Ricky, I, I did want to ask you about this, though, because <laughs> yeah. I, I've been d- given some disturbing information. So what time is your flight on Sunday night out of Arizona? Uh, I, I Okay. You heard the story, right? So my flight was at 10.09. Okay. Arizona time. Oh, no. That's a nonstop. Okay, and I thought about this today because one of the callers that, that Alex from Scottsdale says he'll drive me to the airport, right? Okay. But I've been told by several people, forget it, you're not going to make it. The game's going to probably end at around 8.30 Arizona time. Remember, it's two-hour difference. For right. some reason, Arizona's two hours. The rest of the West is three hours. No, I don't know how I missed it. I was in Arizona for the Eagles-Arizona game. I thought it was three hours that, no, no, when no, no. I was there. It, it, it was. They don't oh. do daylight savings. Oh, okay. Is that I'm, what it is? They don't so do daylight it, savings? In the summer, it's three hours. In the winter, it's two. I was incredibly confused because I'm like, I thought it was three. I swear it was three hours when I was there. Well, okay, I got confused, too. I thought it was three hours, so I booked this 10 o'clock flight, 10.09, you know, nonstop back from Phoenix to Orlando, and I'm saying to myself, I got plenty of time. It's you know, the game will end at uh, 7:30, which is what I figured, because I thought it was three hours. Right. Okay. Then I, I was told, no, Arizona does not go to three hours; they stay at two hours. So that makes it kind of tight. Okay, and you know we're going to have expanded uh, post-game show and the whole shebang on the Eagles Spanish Network. So just yesterday. I found a second flight that leaves at twelve fifty nine. But guess where I have to go? Phoenix, and this is Delta. Phoenix to Minneapolis. Isn't that kind wow, of wow? That is that that that's that's like a sign, Ricky. Yeah, Phoenix to Minneapolis, 
I change planes in Minneapolis and uh, and fly to Orlando. The funny thing is that on Tuesday I had completely forgotten Tuesday's Valentine's Day. Uh huh. And I've got a flight to Philadelphia first thing in the morning. So, <laughs> Why don't you just fly from Arizona to Philly? I know. Because, uh, Ricky, I will tell you, even with the three hours, I think you would have had trouble. I was there for that Cardinals-Eagles game back in week five, man. Right. That that area around that stadium is a disaster. Is I mean, it? it's an absolute nightmare. My friends and I, after the game, we went to a bar around the stadium, watched the entire Mets-Padres playoff game, and only after that game was over could we get an Uber out of that, uh, out of that area. Oh, it's that tight then, huh? Yeah, and this is Super Bowl. I mean, that's going to be even worse. So here's the thing, and I'm, I'm declaring this on the radio. I really shouldn't, but I am. So I bought, you know, I always buy, um, like, for nine bucks, you get that flight insurance mm-hmm. that, you know, if, if something happens, you get a refund on your ticket. So, so now I, I've got two tickets. I've got one on the 1009, and I've got one on the 1259, right? Mm-hmm. So if I don't make the 1009, I can send them, I can send the airline, which will remain nameless, so I don't want to get in trouble. I can send the airline a copy of, uh, of a positive COVID test, and I can get my money back. So you got to get your hands on a positive COVID test? Is well, what you're I, 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 I've gotten my got hands people? on I've, okay. I've got people. Okay. <laughs> you got somebody who could give you a positive COVID Somebody test. just sent me a picture oh of a God. positive COVID test who will <laughs> shall remain every, nameless. You got every angle covered, Ricky. Yeah. I mean, you so, just admitted to, to, to COVID fraud on the radio. <laughs> I mean, that's not exactly what you want to be doing here. <laughs> but, so I'm going to try to make well, the 1009. Well, it, 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 the other thing I can do is um, – Instead of getting a refund, I can just put. I can get that airfare put back in my travel bank, and as you know, Tom, eventually I'm going to use it. Right. Because I fly so often that they'll put that money, whatever the couple hundred, whatever it might be, they they go. They don't refund you the money anymore. They give you a credit. Right. So I can always take the uh, the credit for the airfare and use it at some point. During the, uh, well, during at least I know now, Ricky, if I ever do test positive, which I haven't done to this point, just in case, I'll just send you, I'll just text you yeah, my result. Yeah, keep the picture in your, yeah, in yeah. your phone. You know, <laughs> just, don't uh, just don't so, throw it away. Yeah, just so I can help you out without much you travel. Uh, but that's Ricky Ricardo. He's coming up uh, for Coonrod. the three-plus hours. Talking a lot of Sam Coonrod on the show tonight. <laughs> so make sure uh, you, you uh, give, your, give your final farewell to Sam Coonrod. See ya. But that's Ricky. He's coming up next. <laughs> I'll be back uh, tomorrow night in on the overnight show, so I'll talk to you then. Thank you to Nick Earnshaw and Dan Wilson for producing. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.